Right, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, the 50 Years of Chelsea series continues. Um, as you probably all know by now, because I'm sure you've been listening to a few of them that I've been putting up again recently. I'm Stamford Chidge, by the way, in case you've all forgotten. Um, but we started doing these in the in the original lockdown back in March. And we started, we thought, wouldn't it be fun? Wouldn't it be fun to look back over 50 years of Chelsea history? Because in that, that year, it was 50... 50-year anniversary of us winning the FA Cup for for the first time. And many of our mates, uh, you know, kind of found Chelsea because of that. So we started off with 69-17. We thought we'd just work our way through. And, and we were doing very, very, very well. And then we got to September. And then the bloody football came back to ruin it all for us, as it sure. does. Sure. You know? Yeah, so I didn't really have time. So I stopped doing it. And we got as far as 1991 1992 but we're going to pick up where we left off in a minute with 1992 to 1993 uh, a season that uh, many of us will remember as certainly a season of two halves but before we get into all of that I should introduce my erstwhile long forgotten friends it seems like weeks since I've seen them it's only been a couple of weeks but it seems ages JK it's been an eternity and my voice has changed unfortunately I'm now this old I hope you can put up with me it's, Who are you? I, I don't, oh, yes. I don't it, remember, mate. Uh, it, no. it, it's weird, isn't it? It's literally been a couple of weeks, and yeah, it feels like months, mate. It's weird, isn't it? It does. I've missed you. I've missed your little yeah. faces. Yeah, I've yeah. missed you too. I've been uh. meaning to say this to you because I haven't seen you for a few weeks. But um, there's a particular voiceover that you do for Talk Sport. It's about non-league football, and of course, it, it's become a bit of an earworm because it's on all the time. But no, no, no. This is serious. I, I, I mean, I've known you for such a long time and, and, of course, I've been in the business and I know you're good, but I've been listening to that and I've been thinking, fuck me, he has got one of the best voices on radio. He's one of the, he, is, he is the master. And remember, I used to hire and cast voiceover artists for documentaries I made, so I kind of do know what I'm talking about. Oh, Chidge, if Mate, only you'd cast me then. If only we'd known each I know, other. And, I was thinking that. I was thinking your that. Go to, go, your go, all I do is voiceovers for, for sharks now. Yeah. I do... Uh, Shark Nandu. Yeah, well, no. In fact, I, I did that once upon a time. But no, in this instance, it's a, it's all about you know, um, it, it's it's documentaries trying to work out whether they they created documentaries. Do do sharks hunt in pairs, and uh, and what are their teeth like, and all this kind of interesting. Do stuff. sharks wear white socks? It, yeah, well, funnily enough, like Chelsea did this season for well, the first time. Yeah. Well, indeed. But um, no, I just Thank really you very much. I, I really want, lovely. No, of you. I mean because I often Thank stick you. the boot in on you for for a cheap gag, and I thought, you know what, uh, <laughs> he deserves some huge protein because you are the master, mate. You are brilliant. What a, a beautiful, rich, lovely voice, and you read it. It's just perfect, mate. I, my hat is oh, well wow. and truly off to you. So well done. Thank right. you very much. That's really lovely of you. you thank you. You too. can tell I've been away. The thank bitterness yeah, and the sourness yeah, is absolutely. go downhill from now on. That's probably and the also, nicest uh, I'll be all season, mate. Yeah, and also, <laughs> if anybody wants to employ me, I'm with another tongue. Okay. <laughs> okay. Another tongue, not a mother tongue. Anyway, uh, on the show, of course, we have uh, the wonderful... Uh, in fact, actually, he's been, he's, he said to me before we went on air, he very kindly has broken away from the Italian training camp from uh, the semi-final tomorrow night to star on the fancast tonight, Mr. Chiellini, also known as Dan Silva. Uh, ciao, amico. Actually, going back to JK's voiceovers, uh, every is it you, Santander man as well, aren't you? Yes. Yes. Well spotted. It's, it's well incredible. Spotted. I, I, you know, I, I go to sleep with JK every night. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah. There we go. I don't know why that bell rang. That was me fanning about my computer. But lovely to see you, Dan. Always good to see yeah, you, mate. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Uh, and, and these are so much fun to do as we experienced last year. Now, last by no means least, the man who has become... Um, if Chelsea uh, are looking for a striker to lead them to Premier League glory next season, the Chelsea fan cast found the, the last piece in the jigsaw last season. And actually predominantly because we started doing these shows and I mean I've known Mark for, for donkeys but you know we'd never had him on the fan cast which is completely stupid and now he I mean you know as JK will verify he is essential to these 50 years series because he just remembers stuff that, that JK and I didn't even know he knew so uh, we have the wonderful Mark Meehan who apart from uh, being a wonderfully fine chap uh, also wrote for uh, edited in fact the Chelsea Independent back in the day we were just talking about it weren't we Mark we were, and great to be on the show tonight. Um, yeah, actually, it's this season I, I got involved with the Chelsea Independent. And what, what a great season to look back on it. You'd almost call this a typical Chelsea season of being consistent at being inconsistent. Indeed. But more of that over the next couple of hours. You, I tell yeah, you what, yeah. Mark, you need to increase your volume a bit as well. You're a bit you're a bit quiet down there in the... Uh, in, I don't know. I don't know where you are actually, but it looks like a nice room. Anyway, um, okay, good stuff. Now, of course, I, I conveniently forgot to tell anybody uh, out there in Mixler Land that we were actually recording tonight, because that's kind of how I roll. So anybody who's got a message that we're recording, we're going to be pleasantly surprised. But of course, we can always count on one, and the lovely "Keep the Blue Flag Flying High" int North is in Mixler. I think he might be the only one. I, I, don't, I haven't actually looked to see how many are in there, but. Uh, uh, he says, evening, this is an unexpected and pleasant surprise, and I couldn't agree more. Now, before we get on <clears throat> with the meat and potatoes of the show, I need to tell you, uh, some of you will already be aware of this because you would have seen uh, the tweets that I've been doing on uh, the last couple of shows we did, which were, nine, uh, hang on, what were they, 91, 92, 1991, and I've been re-releasing all of the early ones we did, which were very much part of the main fan cast. So I've cut them out and released them as separate episodes because I think they, they deserve it. But anyway, on the tweets, I've been tweeting out that we've actually partnered with 3retro.com uh, on our 50 Years of Chelsea series. And, of course, they've got a superb collection of Chelsea retro gear, something which we will allude to in a minute. And uh, we are offering 10% off when you use the three... This is the code. It's very important. You, you note this code down. 3RETRO10 is the code. And if you order over 50 quid of merch, you get free UK delivery. Um, and if you want to find the link, uh, when I put the show up on Twitter and Facebook, uh, I will put the link to 3 there's a special link you have to go to basically and i'll put that up there but um i'm not sure they have a they have they don't have this season's shirt and actually that's where we always like to start um i have to say jk you know i mean the i remember when we spoke about this last time it's the same shirt as we had last time and i think you and i both absolutely adore this is one of my favorite favourite Chelsea kits of all time. But of course, well, that was an era, wasn't it, Chidge, where the, you kept it for two seasons? Well, indeed. And, it, this... and there was a lot of discussion about clubs being ripped off, I remember, by the fact that they changed the shirts every two seasons. Well, that's right. Well, they're beginning what... to now, aren't they? But 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 the, the other... I just wanted to quickly mention, because we did talk about yeah. this yeah. on the last show. I can't say last week, because we did it in September, but I have, I've heard it recently. We were a bit peeved last time that this beautiful, beautiful Commodore Umbro kit was ruined by the fact that they had blue socks. Well, they've yes. now gone back to the yes. white socks this season. Yes. The joy that that gave me, Chidge, 
that there were several things for this season, if I may say this, can I start off essentially saying there were several things that I really enjoyed, which gave me a kind of bizarre false hope was first of all, it was the first year of the Premier League and the referees came on in green shirts. And for some strange reason, I was overjoyed by this. I thought this was a new beginning and I thought it was going to be a new beginning for the club. I know and every time we've we've uh, we've been in one of these um uh, we doing one of these retro shows. We've we've discussed how we felt at the beginning of the season. Now, I actually felt unbelievably buoyant about the season. I felt we had a we had originally had a whole series of decent players. But the fact there was this sudden selling of players and reintroduction of and and, uh, and purchase of new players and the fact it was the Premier League. I had a bizarre and also the the back pass law had changed which uh, I think has had an enormous influence on the game over the last, uh, what would it be, uh, 30 years. Um, I entered into the season with huge hope for the club, uh, which, of course, was absolutely misplaced and bizarre and and dashed pretty soon. But nonetheless, I still started the season thinking this is going to be, I don't know what was the matter with me. I just felt that it was, you, uh, you were more accessible to football via the telly. And I watched a lot of telly and I watched football on telly. So it was partly to do with Sky being involved. Okay. So. I'm going to hold that because I really yeah. want to get into that in a minute. I just want to like yeah. focus, just tell me once more, just for my own benefit, how how moist this kit makes you feel? Sorry, I'm so sorry. We've gone off on the off the kit. Sorry. Right. The the white socks made me unbelievably moist. However, <laughs> however, one second. My complaint would be that the, oh, there were too many kits, like the the second and third kits. Umbro didn't seem to care much about duplicating the style with other teams. Well, what about the away kits, though? Like Everton and Man U. But what I about these away kits? Because they, they, they were got great, a... but they're all the little, those the, the away kit with the with the, the red and white, the red and white... With uh, the little... Um, with, yeah, with, with the, 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 the little, little strings laces, that kept the collar. It was, a kind of, it was kind of nod yeah. to the 1920s, wasn't it? That, that was also being duplicated in Man United. It always shirt. makes me think of United, yeah. Yeah, and in Everton as well, right. because Umbro were lazy bastards and they just used the same design yeah. for these yeah. other clubs. Dan- and Everton, Everton as well, I remember. Yeah. Dan, yeah. you've got your hand up and you have yeah. you have for ages, and I don't want to argue with Chiellini. Yeah, yeah. So now I, I, I love. I mean, I've got the um, the second kit for my birthday. Because well, let, let, let's let's just get this straight. We've got this beautiful blue Commodore kit as the home kit. The new kit this season yeah. is the. Uh, red, it's the white. It's a white shirt with red pinstripes, red shorts, red socks, and as as J.K. was saying, it's got a little kind of red laces. That's the official away kit. They've still got the third kit, which is the one yeah. they had last year, which is the I like this kit actually, the yellow one with the kind of uh, with the graph, zigzags. The zigzags, yeah. But anyway, yeah. Dan, you've yeah. got you've got the red one, have you? Yeah. So I got it for my birthday, and literally what, the first the, wash, the red string. This, this year you got out, it for I your birthday. Find it anywhere. Yeah, no, that year for my birthday, yeah, the, the string fell out. But I loved the yellow kit was fantastic. Um, and the quality was so crap because I, I got the blue kit as well. And after like a couple of washes, it all came bobbly and horrible and full to pieces. But they were some great kits. But as JK was saying, I was not excited at all because we didn't sign anybody until really late in the day. Almost right, well, we're we're going to get on signings. I'm on kits yeah. now. I shall, I shall start yellow yeah. carding you. Mark. <laughs> Well, what, what I did today, because like, um, I actually got a job at the Chelsea magazine a few few years afterwards, and the first job they gave me was to review the kits for Chelsea. So I actually sort of gone, gone back and sort of looked what I said about these three kits. 
You know, I described the blue kit um, using the example of a friend of mine. He referred to it as Robert his Robert Flex shirt. Basically, what that means, he every time he wore the shirt out on a Saturday night, he failed to score. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there'll definitely be more of Robert. There'll Flex. More of that later, but um, picking up on that 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 new kit, I, I I said at the time I quite liked the kit because American baseball shirts were all the rage at that time, and then obviously a lot of clubs followed that same example, Man United included. Uh, the, the only thing I said about the shirt, because I, I, I had a picture of Glenn Hoddle in the shirt, and I thought the shirt looked absolutely brilliant on Glenn Hoddle, but I said a bin line would probably look bl- good on Glenn Hoddle. But my, my worry was David Hopkins, you know, because when David Hopkins appears in that shirt with his bright red hair, I thought he was going to go up in flames every oh, time there he is, wore yeah, <laughs> There is definitely that. All right. My criticism of that shirt is the badge is too big. It's a great shirt. It looks a really good shirt, you know. Uh, and people could probably wear that out, sort of going out. But the badge is huge. So Umbro went a bit mad with that badge, you know, the you know, the blue background, where I think it could have been much more discreet when you look at the home shirt and the other yellow away shirt, which, as JK said, is just a carbon copy of Everton, but it's a good shirt nonetheless. Yeah. That's the only that's the only flaw in that new kit. It's a really good kit. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, I, I'm not so keen on the, the red one. I love the yellow one. Um, I, I love the blue one without a doubt it's one of my favorite kits right now enough of all of that um these boys are they're they're champing at the bit to to get their teeth into this but you're you're dead right um to talk about transfers because we because we had we had a lot just just kind of kind of whiz through them uh we got mal donaghy from uh man united uh we got john spencer from rangers nick colgan from drogada he was a, a goalkeeper uh, for those of you who have no idea who he is, the uh, legendary Robert Fleck from Norwich for two point one million, two point one million pounds. He says in his Doctor Evil voice, uh, Mick, Mike, well Mick Harford as we knew him was from Luton. Uh, Spackers, Ni- the wonderful Nigel Spackman. I love Nigel Spackman. He he came back uh, to the club from Rangers, having been uh, at Liverpool before that. Anthony Barnes came in from Charlton, and uh, Neil Shipperley uh, came I- up from the youth. So he was a promotion from the youth, and uh, we also got David Hopkin from Morton. Him him with the flame red hair uh, out the other way. Well, as you know, um, you know we all, we'd already lost two Chelsea legends in the summer: Kerry Dixon and, of course, Jason Cundy. Waits for the tumbleweed. Um, losing Kerry, huge blow, really. Let's be honest. Uh, but we also Gordon this Gurry. Gordon Gurry. No, I don't think we lost. He was the season before, wasn't he? I think he might have been. Yeah. Now this, this, this is the first. I mean, before we talk about who came in, I have to say I, I, I don't remember this at the time, but I remember being surprised. Now. Uh, in August, early in August, uh, Ken Monkow went to Southampton, which is where Kerry had gone, interestingly enough. But on the 10th of September, so about five games into the season, Vinnie Jones went to Wimbledon. Now, I, my understanding is is that Jones went out and Spackman came in to replace him. But Mark, I, I don't know why, why, why we love Ken Monkow, and I, I quite like Vinnie, but maybe just because he was Vinnie. But why, why did we get rid of those two? I don't know. Um, Mon Cow was very good for us, so that that was that was that was a strange departure. Uh, and Vin, Vinnie Jones with Spackman was a strange part. I think I think the only thing about Vinnie Jones is we got seven hundred thousand for him, and that's not a bad bit of money. And Spackman only came in for about four hundred thousand, so Bates might have been wheeling dealing in the transfer transfer market. But it, it was it was some strange transfers as well. I must admit, I was excited by Robert Fleck coming in. But the others, no disrespect, Mal Donaghy, Mick Hartford, 
We'll talk more about John Spencer later. But again, none of those signings really sort of, you know, caught my attention. And I was absolutely gutted that Kerry had left. So we'd lost Kerry soon after we sell Ken Moncow. And the players coming in didn't really get your juices flowing, apart from Robert Fleck. Well, because he, he'd been great. The previous season. Yeah, yeah. It, that looked like a great buy for us. Well, yeah. I mean, Norwich were, Nor- Norwich were a good side at that time. And, yeah. and Fleck was one of their best players. So, I mean, I, I, was, I was excited by that. Fleck had I, scored that volley the season before. If you against remember. us, of course. That was why he. That was why uh, you could see he was coveted by Bates. So Chelsea, even then, were buying strikers that scored against us. I like the fact yeah. that nothing yeah. ever changes. Yeah. But can and I just answer that question about Moncal? Yeah, I think I think the reality was was that Paul Elliott was considered one of the best centre halves in the country at the time. Uh, we bought it from Charlton, isn't that right? If I remember right, Celtic. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, of course. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I knew it began close to Charlton. <laughs> yeah, we started at Charlton, and. Um, uh, and Bates, I think, had an enormous amount of faith in him being the best centre-half in the country and um, thus the appalling injury that he suffered as a consequence of the challenge. Shh, with don't the, tell you know, anybody. They don't know yet. They, they don't, don't know, know yet. You won't tell them. Anyway, he's, he, he had a bit of, a, a, of, a, of a, um, uh, an unfortunate event occurred to him later on in the season. I've given too much, much information away already. But, um, but I thought that was the reason... That I have to say, I really like Moncow as a centre-half, but didn't we still have Erlen Johnson, who we was did. hanging about? We did. And, I, and as a consequence, I think they were willing to um, have him as the backup and Elliot supposedly as the uh, as the main centre-half. And and Elliot, you know, was, was put in some pretty decent performances, let's be honest, yeah. particularly early on. Yeah. So, Dan, you had, your, you, had, you had your thumb up this time. You're going for a variety of uh, uh, attention-grabbing yeah, no, no. things. I'm liking it. I'm liking yeah, it. Yeah, no, I was just talking about... You know, the excitement of signing Robert Flex. I think they him and Hartford came on the same day. So remember, you, you, if you didn't dial a club call, you had to rely on um, Teletext for transfer news. And I had take, I was I was at home and I had Teletext all day waiting for something to happen because it was literally like season was like two weeks away. We hadn't signed anybody. It was like, oh, Chelsea signed Flex, fantastic. Then half an hour later, Chelsea signed Mick Hartford. It was it was really exciting times. So suddenly, oh, we actually spent some money as well. We had indeed. Teletext. Huh. We had indeed. Uh, Mark, you uh, you want to come in? Yeah, a couple of things. And actually, uh, Dan mentioned it. Do you know how much club call was per minute back then? Forty-eight oh. p a minute. I was going to say fifty p. Fifty p rang a bell. Can I just tell yeah. a very quick story? Go on. Go very on, quick go story. On, go on. My very uh, my very first job. I was working as a junior in um, a commercial property agents, and I used to play club call every day at my lunchtime, <laughs> and and. The bill had gone up through the roof, so they they ordered a autom- um you know itemised phone bill, and I heard the boss going, "Here's that number again: oh eight nine eight twelve ten fifth whatever it was." So he dialed it, and he go, "Hello, welcome to Chelsea Club Call." So he called me in and said, "There's sixty five pounds coming at your wages next month." <laughs> Brilliant, Mark. But it, it put me off the amount it co- it was costing. Put me off ever ringing it. Yeah. You you were just a, a no. struggling actor in those days before well, you were famous, mate. Fifty p fifty p was a lot of money for you in those days. Ninety two ninety three fifty p. What you could do with fifty p? You could go down to go the to West street End, fellows, mate. Back back meal, visit the whorehouse of your choice, yeah. and come home four o'clock in the morning for, for and still have change yeah. and still have change, mate. Mark, yes. Mark, Mark, Mark. And I, cause I used to go down to Harlington. I used to go down to Harlington. Sorry. Every every during every, to watch preseason, and then you see um, Spy walking around this massive tape of recording interviews with all the players. So I got it live. Yeah, well done, Mark. Finally, 
0898 12 10 59. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other strange transfer, and this is a wicked rumour, but I love it. The other strange transfer was Anthony Barnes. And the rumour at the time is that Chelsea sent along a you know, well-respected employee to go and watch the chart and left back with a view to purchasing them that day. Now, the chart and left back was a gentleman called Scott Minto. Anthony Barnes <laughs> was a young player of about 19 years of age who'd made a handful of appearances for Charlton. I think they, he played about 20 games. Uh, and he was playing the day the, the Chelsea sort of like scout went to watch the player and had a blinder of a game. And the way the rumour went is that Chelsea went straight into the Charlton directors after the game and offered sort of a fee for the Charlton left back. And Charlton bit the bloody hand off. Now, that could be a complete, you know, gossip on my part. But I think it's a fantastic story that someone at Chelsea actually was stupid enough to buy the wrong left back because we then bought the right left back 12 months later. But he wasn't he wasn't a bad player, though. I, I, I liked him. He was always enthusiastic. And he, in fact, he was so young. You know, I didn't think we made... I thought he was one for the future, Barnes. But we didn't play him much. No, yeah. but that's, that's true, yeah. yeah. He hardly played for us. Like, yeah, his, yeah, it's true. His peak was actually at Bolton Wanderers, and then he, went, he actually went, went back to Charlton. And he had he had actually a quite a good career, Barnett. But it was a very strange transfer. And the rumour... I can't, was don't, him. I can't remember yeah. who told us the rumour back, back at the time, because I was at Chelsea Independent then. Two the games he played this season, Mark. I bought the wrong left back. Yeah. Was that phase where we went through... By a whole lot of left backs. So we buy Andy Dow this season, or was that next no. season after? No, next no. season after, I think. And we had Soxie, of course. Yeah. We still had Soxie. Of course, the other person yeah. we sold was Kevin Wilson. We sold in the March before, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd lost, we'd lost the tash. Right, let's get on with the games. I mean, it's. In, I mean, just actually, just to pick up on what J.K. was saying earlier. I mean, actually, this is a good point, and I almost forgot to mention this because J.K. mentioned that this is the year that the Premier League. I mean, which had been in the planning for a couple of years post Italia '90, but. The Premier League is finally launched this season. Uh, the end of football as we know it, JK, really. Um, but were you excited? I mean, you know, there were, it was a big fanfare. You mentioned Sky. It was actually B Sky B, wasn't it, in those days? Yes, yes, uh, yes. Vinnie Jones was in the ads. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. And then we sold yeah. him. I was enthused. I was enthused by You're excited. It. I, I have yeah. to be honest, I was too. I was really up for it. I mean, perhaps erroneously, because in actual fact, as I said, all they did was change the referees to having, having green... Uh, green kits but um uh, and big gold crests with the premier league badge involved but i i um i think also the fact that the law change was involved had a huge influence on the season so can, can you remember exactly because of course it's different than it is now i think so how was it changed then do you it remember just changed that the goalkeeper couldn't pick the ball up um uh, if it was passed back to him he had to kick it away he, uh, and and uh, one of the one of the parts of the law is that you can't actually do an elaborate kind of return. You can't, you know, lie on the ground and head the ball to the goalkeeper. That's considered um, ungentlemanly con- conduct because you had a few people doing that and then been slightly alarmed when a free kick was given against them. Mm-hmm. But the the idea is just not to uh, to give the ball back. I mean, I remember Schmeichel um, the season before. Um, uh, com- um, I remember Schmeichel the season before completely um, just taking the mickey with the ball being passed to him um, uh, him picking it up, bouncing it, just entirely to waste time. It was to do with with, with stopping uh, uh, players from wasting time because uh, it, obviously if the goalkeeper's got the ball at his feet, um, he can be tackled. Whereas if he picks the ball up, he's completely in charge of the situation with the ball. So um, as a law, it um, it sped everything up and it stopped this appalling time wasting, which you could just pass the ball, goalkeeper picks it up, rolls it out, ball's passed back again, he picks it up. So uh, it was a... a 
it was a brilliant law, a brilliant law to implement and oh, yeah. changed football as we know it. I mean, I, I want to talk about it more specifically later because, you know, one of the things that, that comes into this season is, is the tale of three keepers, which I, I want yeah. to talk about later. Yeah. Um, but watching the season review back, um, what I will say is a little bit of a teaser. I, I just thought it has a very fascinating link uh, between then and introducing this law and the impact it had on keepers and now where every keeper has to be a good footballer. Yeah. And I thought that was just a really interesting observation. Now, we kicked off against Oldham at home uh, on the 15th of August, would you believe? Interestingly enough, next week when we do 93-94, the season kicked off on August the 14th, exactly the same day as it does this season. But anyway, we kicked off against Oldham um, I, would, I would imagine all, all three of you being loyal supporters were all there. Just nod. Yes, they were all there. Uh, I can only imagine your immense excitement at seeing Robert Fleck play. Now, as we all know, poor old Robert Fleck. I'm going to have a bit of a spoiler here. He scored three goals all season, two in the league. Um, and he was a bit of an abject failure, really, when all things are considered. But the reality is slightly different, particularly when watching the games. We've all had the benefit of watching the season review this week. And, and the other thing that I, sh- I should mention, uh, of course, um, I have Bound of Friedale up, of course. You cannot do this show without Bound of Friedale being up. Um, but the other thing about Bound of Friedale in this, this era is that they now have the match reports in, in for most of the matches. Uh, funnily enough, they're all in the independent for some reason. And actually, it, it bears out what we saw, because dear old Robert Fleck was not as bad as we all are now led to believe. He actually was really impressive in this game. Um, but a bit Werner-esque, I think, uh, you know, in, in terms of his luck, Dan. But uh, the real headline was uh, was was Mick Harford scoring an absolute worldie. It was actually one of the goal of the season contenders at the end of the season. It's a bit late to uh, write off to Telstar video now, <laughs> but um, he basically mullered one. Funnily enough, as a result of a goalkeeping error due to, you know, the defender like having a brain fart because he, he couldn't pass back and yeah. half a robs him and he just wallops it goes in under the bar and then dear old Dave Besson does the same in return in the second half and or was it the first half? I think it was the first half an Oldham, Oldham uh, reply but what are your memories of the match and I mean what did you think of Fleck on first viewing? I thought you did alright I remember it was a gloriously hot day I remember that really really hot I just remember kind of getting, you know, first game of the season I think my dad was away so I got on my own I was like, oh, football season started. And I was, what was I, just started to go to matches on my own. I was super excited. You know, we had Robert Fleck. He, he did a lot of running about, a lot of, you know, making some good runs, but didn't quite work out for him. And then half his goal was just like, wow, take a bow, son. Because it was a cr- tremendous hit. It was, it was towards the away end, if I remember rightly, wasn't it? Opposite the shed. And he just absolutely lapped it in. And did he Marshall score for them? Yeah. Yeah. Besson, Besson, Mar- Besson yeah. Like, you know, tried to clear it, I think, and it, I don't know. My memory's a bit hazy. Even having seen the, he scuffed it. He scuffed, he scuffed it, it, and it almost fell on the plate for Marshall. But it was just, just one of those games where it was Oldham. They, they kind of you go in expecting to win. It was just true Chelsea style. We you know ends up with the draw. Bad, you know. They weren't bad at that stage. No, but you, you kind know, of they weren't. They weren't. They weren't in the, they, they they weren't they in the Premier League. By, you know, they? it wasn't a fluke. They were okay as a team. They were a decent side. Yeah. Yeah. Can I say about Barrett had gone to Everton, hadn't they? The fullback. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim, I'll just remind you, Dan, you've frozen, by the way, but uh, the uh, the Oldham team uh, were John Haw- Jonathan Hallworth, Stephen Redman, Andy Barlow, Nicholas Henry, Richard Jobson, uh, not from the Skids, 
Uh, Ian Marshall, Gunnar Haller, bloody hell. Roger Palmer, Neil Tolson, Graham Sharp. Oh, Mike, yeah, remember, yeah. Mike Milligan, Paul Bonner. They'd lost Andy Ritchie by then, I think, who was uh, a very yes, good player. He was always their stalwart player. He was a terrific player. Because I think they'd been in a cup semi final around this time, was it? Yeah. 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 With yeah. United. It was difficult, difficult playing up there because it was a very condensed, very. But it was down here. This, this was. This was, was in the pitch. was always like. Well, we're going to talk about the away uh, match against Oldham later on because that's quite an interesting one. Yeah. But Mark, 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 say sorry, go on, JK. Go on, go on, go on. Fleck had a great game. In the very first yeah, well, that's what I was saying, really. But but unfortunately, um, he had two more, and then that was the end of that. But Ver, he, I, do you know what? Watching it, Werner sprung to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, and also he was he set people up. I mean, you forget we we came away unbelievably enthused just by the performances of. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big Harford fan. I have to tell you, I always thought Harford was wonderful. I really really enjoyed watching him play from centre forward point of view he seemed to do i know he could occasionally disappear a bit but i i just loved his ability a bit like clive allen bang him in from angles you know and and set about the center half so when he got ultimately injured as he did later on in the season which was kind of inevitable because he was he was in his 30s wasn't it you, that's always the, the the risk you take and particularly when um they weren't observing the same kind of uh regimes dis, uh, um, um diet and exercise that they observe now so the chances were, if you got an injury, you were going to be out much longer, and uh, and the poor guy didn't figure for a lot. But I I just felt that he was a he was a class act just in terms of laying people in, and I thought he worked very well with Fleck, particularly in this game. Just Fleck was unlucky, but the, you know Fleck just went absolutely downhill as the season went yeah. on. Some one of those, um, as did most of them, of course. But we I digress. We get into well. No, the- I just want to want to bring markings. He's got his got his finger up. Finger up. That sounds rude. I'm going to revert to he's got his hand up. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say similar to what JK said. You know, Fleck really started well. Uh, he, he had a really good debut. And it's sort of like a game that's repeated a few years later when Chris Sutton comes along. And you do wonder if Fleck had scored on that debut, might have been different. Don't know. Possibly not. Uh, I think the other thing to flag is obviously you mentioned yeah, Richard Jobson was playing for Oldham. So I just think it's fantastic. You know. <laughs> Richard Jobson's playing there. A man of many talents, you know. Obviously, the Armory show nearly finished his career, so he started playing football. I love it. He should have played for Charlton, shouldn't he, into the Valley? Oh, very good. Very good. good. Thank you. Or Southampton. The Saints are coming. (laughs) (laughs) I think the only one I can remember by the Armory show, I think, was Castles in Spain. That's it. Castles in Spain. That was the only one. That was the Armory show, wasn't it? But the goal was called by Nick Henry, X-Man City player, you know. And I think the Olden team had a few um, Everton links there. They had Graham Sharp, they had Mike Milligan, and they had Joe Royal as manager. Um, and what I remember, it was a worldie by Hartford and mass celebration. And then Oldham literally went up the other end because Hartford scored about five minutes to go. And Oldham yes. went up the other end and scored within a minute, you know, due to that Besson error. 84 86. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to skip over the next match, which was away against Norwich. Um, where we they were lost. quite good, Norwich. Norwich yeah, decent at the time. They well, I mean, the table. In, well, I mean, I know it's two games, but they were top of the table after this match. But uh, more of Norwich later, because there's a we can we play them again actually fairly soon. The next match we played was away, and this was an absolute cracker. I, the other thing is, I said, I, you know, I've kind of like been reading the the reports from the Independent. They had these wonderful headlines, and where appropriate, I've nicked them. And the headline uh, for this was Stuart's Cavalier Run pulls Chelsea around, but this was three all. And it was oh, absolutely nuts. Who was Dan? Were you at this one? I was there. Yep. Tell, tell us all about it, mate. 
I was just the most amazing game because it was the opposite end to where we were because we were in the Leppings Lane up a tier. And we just saw him pick it up and he ran and he ran and he ran and he ran. And then it was the back of the net and it, was, it all went absolutely mad because I think I think Leppings were still closed after Hillsborough, so we're all in the upper tier. And just thinking what the most incredible game it was, 3-3. It was absolutely fantastic. There's a lovely piece, actually. They 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 yeah. talk, they talk about it in, in the report and they say... Stewart started on the halfway line and set off confidently towards Chris Wood's net. Chris Wood was the England goalkeeper at the time, by the way. Uh, Robert Fleck and Mick Harford dragged the defence wide for Stewart to slip yeah. through and beat three lazy challenges, and then the England keeper. Uh, Stewart said it was a goal in a million. It certainly was. Mark, Jonathan, were you there? Uh, I wasn't. Uh, I look back. I was at Castle Donington that day for the Monks of the Rock Festival. <laughs> you <old tar>. <laughs> <laughs> Who was playing? Who was playing? Iron Maiden were headlining uh, Skid Row, Thunder, uh, Wasp. Oh, I can't remember who else who else was on. Oh, the Almighty, Ricky Warwick. Yeah, yeah. Limey. Uh, oh, and, Mark, yeah. your knowledge is phenomenal. You you I missed Chelsea it. away for that. That's disgraceful. <laughs> and like, well, basically, what it was a couple of years before. I think I mentioned on the show before. I used to work for a heavy metal band that had a record deal at Christmas Records, and the band had split up. And this was the first reunion of the band after they'd split up. So we all decided to get the band back together at, at Donington. And the bass player sort of like, um, I stayed at his house the, the night of the gig. And he, he taped match of the day for me because I said, I'm missing the Chelsea game. So his, his wife taped it. So because you're at Donington all day long, you know, the, the festival has to finish for half 10. So got back to his place about midnight, then put the game on. So I had no idea of the score. I love it. I love yeah, it. And obviously, you know, we go 2-0 down. So it's not likely, lads, because there was no way of knowing the score at Donington and it was pre-mobile phone. So you go 2-0 down and you think, oh, here we go again. And then that, that Stuart goal, you know, I'm, I, he was a Leeds United fan and he's there going, fucking hell, that was a fucking good goal. <laughs> <Brilliant>. <laughs> JK? I think just to mention that, that Stuart um, could beat players at will and and was actually... I remember I, I, I was a member of a squash club at the time in Tooting, and they, all the other supporters loved him other, of other teams. Thought I mean they only seen bits of match of the day, but thought that he was a, a, an England player of the future. And we actually had somebody completely phenomenal playing for us. And the fact that he was then in and out of the side and then transferred at the end of the season was a, a strange set of events that uh, I never truly understood. JK, he was out of contract. Was he? He was out of contract. And there's a bit later in the season where Colin Hutchinson, which I thought was out of order, he disses him. You know, he normally baits dissing players. Hutchinson yeah. was the mild-mannered guy. And he dissed Graham Stewart in his programme notes because I think at the time, Graham Stewart was on, I think, from memory, I, I, I was reading it yesterday, Graham Stewart was on four grand a week and Andy Townsend was on seven grand a week. And Graham Stewart, I think, was trying to negotiate a contract because he was out of contract. Um Right. Uh, and wanted a pay rise, and Chelsea weren't prepared to give him a pay rise. Right. The uh, We'll talk more about that later, of course. Uh, the other noteworthy thing about this game, <clears throat> I mean, it was a great game and, and was heralded as such, uh, but uh, I, I, I could be wrong. Mark will correct me, I'm sure. But I, I, this wasn't Eddie Newton's debut, but it was certainly his first goal for Chelsea. He scored the, uh, the well, I'm tempted to say 2-0 down, 3-2 up, uh, and Doug I can't. Ruby. Well, yeah. well, Doug Ruby didn't fuck it up because he wasn't playing. But Eddie yeah. Newton scored the, our third goal, which made it made it three two on sixty four minutes. And then Danny Wilson, remember him? He scored oh. an eighty one. But oh, uh, yeah, so, but Eddie Eddie, Eddie scores his first goal, Dan. Yeah, it was just it was 
bizarre because it was one of those games where it was up, down, up, down, up, down. And Eddie scored. There was Eddie, Eddie, Eddie throughout the whole away end. Playing on the wing, best. playing on the wing as well. Yeah, because he was quite yeah. first. That was kind of like one of those weird games. Where I was coming back, and there was still that kind of element on the train coming back from Sheffield that was still didn't count. I, I don't know who it was, but they said, "Oh, you know, basically, it, if Newton scores, it don't count." And I was like, "Oh my god, seriously, this was you weren't then. you weren't sitting right, with Psycho I, Phil, were you?" Yeah, but I got I, well. I sat in the train, got a number with some proper people I wouldn't be want to mess with, and you know, me being a, like a young Jewish boy, that yeah. all skin and bones, who oh, don't count if Newton scores. Yeah. So I went, I went, I, I literally had to move because I thought I can't yeah. sit here. You didn't, this you crap didn't say, these "Excuse people. me, what do you mean by that?" You didn't. Yes, say that. God, you bloody well, racists. No, but anyway, no, I just, I just admit, it was just one of those games which was absolutely incredible because one of my probably my fifth or sixth away game. You know, because I, I, I got a part-time job working in a supermarket to pay for my my away days. I just remember having the most incredible, incredible day at three three, yeah, absolutely cracking. fascinating match. I remember there was a payphone on the train, so I phoned my dad and said, "Can you make sure you take match there if I'm not back, or wherever it was a big match?" Because I want to see the highlights again. Yeah. And all the goals, most of the goals were down the um, the, the spy on cop at the Sheffield end, because you know that's what seemed to happen. But no, yeah. it just. One of my best away games, obviously. Well, Wednesday time. were we still had a big rivalry with them, them, and they were a very decent yeah. team. They were they were getting in the League Cup finals and stuff. Mark, you've had your your hand up. I'm not going to say finger. Hand up. You did say I'd, I'd correct you. Eddie Newton made his debut the previous season and scored on his debut. At did he? So the independent had it wrong. The independent yeah. had it wrong. Who yeah. knew? They've been getting it wrong for years. I'm kind of delighted that I know that. But thank you for correcting me, Mark. Um. We then play. Yeah. Can I just say, yeah. there was an excitement I found about Newton playing. You know, when you, 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 a new player comes in and you see him doing great things and you then want to see him play again. Yeah. And, and we felt that about Eddie. And we I felt think that the, about him as a player. A really good thing about Eddie Newton, I know it's be later in the season, but he actually was pushed up a striker for like yeah. half an hour of football. For the Southampton and the Spurs game, first games, and he scored twice. And he scored three goals in half yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah. Split, scored three man. goals the whole bloody season. Yes, no, he's a good. Yes. It was a good. It was a very exciting prospect. Clearly, um, he was. We he then was. we then play uh, Blackburn, where you get a new a nil nil. Uh, there's uh, it's quite interesting what the Indy said. No credit to expensive forwards, so the strikers are beginning to fire blanks. Uh, Harford did an absolutely horrible miss. Yes. Uh, he lobbed the ball gently over the bar from six yards following an Andy Townsend free kick with Mims and interested Mims being the Blackburn goalkeeper, an interested bystander. Now at this point, at this point, uh, Chelsea are sitting in seventeenth after four matches with no win in four. But uh, all this was about to change as uh, we play QPR at home. Now again, QPR don't laugh, ha ha ha. We're a decent side this season, and actually at the time they were. They were, I think they might have even been top at the time, but it says fortune favours Chelsea. I love the way they describe this match, Mark. Um, a Wild West showdown without the sharp shooting. Um, Chelsea rode their luck. Wilkins controlled the match. Ray Wilkins was back playing for QPR. Got a lovely reception uh, from the Chel- from the Stamford Bridge faithful. Uh, Les Ferdinand uh, absolutely, you know, had loads of chances. Um, but we, we did. We held out and we won 1-0 for our yep. first win. Yeah, and the legendary Alf Bush as, <laughs> as referee. I think he worked in the post office at Harlesden at the time, if I remember rightly. I knew people that worked with Alf. So, yeah, he was the referee that day. But, yeah, a couple of ex-Chelsea, Clive Wilson. Yeah, he yeah. was playing 
QPR, QPR as well. Yeah. But yeah, Wilkins got a really good reception, which 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 was lovely to see. And yes, at that point, QPR were second in the table. Yeah. Definitely yeah. punching above their weight. Jerry Jerry Francis was the manager. Always kind of makes me me laugh. I don't know why. The, the with his hair, I think. Yeah. The money. What well, he's such a weird guy. I, I've never never got my head around Francis. I mean, my memory, my main memory of Jerry Francis was when he was England captain and in about seventy five, wasn't it seventy six? And uh, he he scored that amazing goal against Scotland at Wembley. But I, I'm even then as a kid, I thought, why is he captain? Why you know why is he captain? He plays for QPR. Well, you know why? Why you know why haven't we got a, a player from a decent team as England captain? And then he he scored that worldie, and we won five one. It's like oh well, maybe he's good after all. And then of course he just he never really did it again. He kind of got injured, and he was never quite the same. But anyway, we digress. Uh, next match away, another cracking uh, match. Uh, Villa, Aston Villa again, another another decent side. If I just tell you who was playing for yeah. Villa that day. Nigel Spink, a champions, sorry, a European Cup winning goalkeeper. In fact, he made his debut in that game. Earl, Earl Barrett, who went there and not Everton. Steve Staunton, Sean Teal, Paul McGrath, Kevin Richardson, Ray Houghton, Gary Parker, Cyril Regis, uh, who was replaced by Frank McAvenny, uh, and then Dalian Atkinson, and Steve Frogger. That and managed by Kevin Richardson. Uh, Didn't you mention Richardson? Yeah, Kevin Richardson, yeah. good player. Yeah, yeah. He scored. A scored, a, scored a great goal, actually. Their opener was a cracker. Managed by big Ron Atkinson. This was a decent team. Uh, and what did we do, Dan? We won 3 1. We certainly there. did. You were there. And Tell I was at the what, game. Good man. It was, no, it was my, my, I mean, Midlands away game on a, on a Tuesday night. And then literally the full time, never seen like a group of men and women running to get. The last train back from New Street. It was it was incredible because Fleck, Fleck scored. Well, I was going to say, what was assists. the significant thing about this match? It was his first. Well, Fleck's goal first goal, and it was it was kind of it was a very like muted ver- like when Torres scored his first goal. It was a very muted version of that when Fleck finally scored. It's quite it's quite a decent finish. Mate, it had um, only been six matches. I mean, how impatient are we now? Then we, well, they wanted, yeah, we always give players a chance. Want them to score, but when he scored, you kind of just saw him running towards. I think he scored in the whole ten, if I'm, memory serves me. Quite a nice finish, good team build up, and he scored. He set up two other goals, and he had probably, probably, maybe one of his best games for us. And we did it. It was a fairly comprehensive three-one, although Villa were, had a really good side at the time. We, we seemed to control it, and it was it was a, a very nice win. And then you know, running for the last train out of New Street afterwards, which is even more fun. Indeed, um, your mate still... Eddie Newton scores again, J.K. Yes, he did. Um, uh, a fabulous goal, if I remember. But I still, I still felt at the time that they were because of flex speed. Which, uh, as you say, Werner esque. There was still a tendency to play well, actually, the ball. I, th- I thought his finishing was Werner esque. Yeah, uh, funny enough, I look for the positive. Too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I'm so looking they... forward to next season when we can re-engage with our Werner debates. Oh yes, indeed. Yes, <laughs> if he ever gets in the side again, of course. Um... <laughs> you cynical old man. Of course he will. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what, if Timo doesn't score 20 goals next season, I'm going to get Jonathan Kidface tattooed on my arse. Yeah, I'll tell you, you get oh, can one I design cheek. It and for I'll you? Get, you get one cheek and I'll do the other, Dan. Okay. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. You have me, have me spread over cheeks. both cheeks. And, <laughs> and, and I have my left. So that my right. when you open your cheeks, it's me going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, where were we? Um, I don't know. I just want to say that, totally. that one of the things I still notice, I have this terrible memory of, of Fleck just the ball being booted into the corner 
and him running after it, which is how I used to play in my uh, uh, Sunday league side a lot. We had a very quick, quick guy. We noticed that if we just booted the ball up to him, he would round the goalkeeper and score as long as he wasn't offside. Called Steve Pratt, who used to put his hand up and say, I'm offside. We say, shut up. What's the matter with you? But he was wonderfully speedy. But um, um, I just felt there were elements of that because as the season got on, Flex seemed to get slower and slower. But at this stage you could actually put the team in with one of those big big boots down the side and uh, and he'd get it and this was uh, this was an example if i remember rightly um for newton's goal i think it was a lovely move um but you're relying heavily on flex speed and he was a very speedy guy um uh, and then wise he got the third um wise is a bit muted this season i think we'll get round to talking about that considering he'd played he'd, he'd been such a star for the previous two seasons yeah. um uh, but I think they all, it all, uh, as we're going to appreciate it, um, it it, uh, it started off badly, got a bit better, and then. Uh, um, well, we'll, we'll, the game, we'll talk about it later. The game but away, but, but Wisey uh, did get injured, but he played 32 games this season. But he you're, did, you're, he did, but there wasn't the same impact no, that he was having. Four goals, four goals. Before. Yeah, exactly. Very few number of goals. What I will say, JK, and again, I know we'll probably cover it later, what he did do later on in the season, as, as Chelsea, I think, did quite effectively, was putting lots of really good crosses. He became a yes, bit more of a... Yes, that's all, but that's always been one of his major it. strengths. Yeah. Fantastic. And corner taker. But it, as well as that, one must never underestimate. I'm a big Wise fan. I think Wise was uh, a phenomenal uh, purchase. It just was some looking back on his career, some seasons he wasn't as no, no, as no. Um, uh, creative or, or, or had a significant role to play. This was one of them. But he came into his own, obviously, as the seasons went on. When we were in Europe, revealed himself as being a a, a really talented player. player. Very talented. It's easy player. to be wise after the event, obviously. Yeah, very clever. Bum bum tush, Mark. Well, I was going to disagree with JK about Wise on this one. Uh, oh. The 1991 season, I remember when Wise joined us, get, he was getting booed because the only thing he could do in the first season was take a corner. I, I thought he had a good 91 too. And I think that's probably where the strength of Vinnie Jones came in, is that Vinnie Jones very much protected Wise you know, you know, when he was playing with Very him. good point. Very good point. I still don't agree with you with that. I actually still think that he, he had a wonderful debut, if you remember, Wise. Yeah, that first game. The first, that first game. game. But he was still, he still contributed, but they played him much more as a winger. Played, it was only when he started coming into the midfield that we became a very aware of what great skill he had. The first season we played him as a winger and he, I don't think he was a winger. I think he was a great midfield player. They played him in the midfield the second season beside Vinnie Jones. And I thought he had a really good 91-2. But I also think this season, Wise has a good season. I know he was out injured for a period of time. The disappointment for me in this season, when we needed him, I thought Townsend at times, as the captain of the team, let the side down. And on the pitch, if you looked at a player during the course of this season, especially when it starts to go wrong, I thought Wise was beginning to show captain material as well. I think I thought he had a good. I think this is a good Dennis Wise season as well. I know. I suppose with hindsight, I'm comparing him with the player that he became. Oh yeah, you get. I think, I think and so consequently, I'm yeah, not. I, I didn't feel that he he contributed as much as he ultimately did. And considering I also were, I, I just thought he was. Uh, I, I loved him from the beginning. I have to say, Mark, I thought he. I I, I liked his. I suppose I slightly related to him. I played midfield myself. I like buzzing around a lot. I like getting stuck in. I like and and Do also you not giving people's the ball nipples away. when you were playing. And shush, shush! You're not supposed to tell him that. And um, 
Uh, and I like I, I liked his ability. My big thing about Wisey was he hated giving the ball away. And he was such such a brilliant passer of the ball. So it, it's the progress, I suppose. And the fact that the fact that he had Townsend with him and you'd have thought that the two of them would actually then have just bossed. And this is why the season for me was such a bitter disappointment, because I felt that with them, you had two of the best midfield players in the country. And it just didn't it didn't uh, emerge that way in the season. I, I, put, I don't put that down to Dennis Wise. I put that down to Andy Townsend. All right. Well, I, I, very quickly because I know Dan wants to come in, but I actually thought Townsend had a really good season this season. I thought I thought he he really. I mean, he was when the captain. He, he was the captain. He was the captain, wasn't he, this season? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think this is where Wise was beginning to show the potential future captain. Yeah, but I, I thought Townsend was doing all right. I, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe the season review doesn't reveal it. You know the whole picture, Dan. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I was going. I was going to say, just Jake. I thought it'd be more like Ernie Wise and Dennis Wise. That <laughs> <laughs> was worth the wait. Very yeah. good. Now, listen. It gets a bit serious now. The next game, of course, is against Liverpool. Not not the Liverpool uh, of the of the seventies and eighties. This is uh, the Liverpool of Graham Souness um, and the Spice Boys. Uh, just to give you an idea of who was playing for them: David Jones, Rob Jones. I thought Rob Jones was a good player, actually. David Burrows, didn't think he was. Steve Harkness, Ronnie Whelan, Mark Wright, Dean Saunders. <laughs> Jamie Redknapp, Ian Rush, Jan Mulby, Steve McManamanamanamanamanam, and Mark uh, Walters came up in too. Now, the, uh, we, we lost 2-1. I mean, the reality is um, we were very unlucky uh, to lose, uh, really. I mean, basically, uh, you know, Besson uh, missed a cross, which uh, enabled uh, Jamie Redknapp to tap it in on the 89th minute. But... Um, the real story uh, of this match is is the horrific assault uh, by Dean Saunders on the wonderful Paul Elliott, which ultimately ended his career. Uh, this was in the tenth minute, and it's 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 funny how you know we we are recalling in quite granular detail a lot of matches from these eras, and yet most Chelsea supporters of a certain age, if you talk to them about the season ninety two ninety three. Uh, Mark, it'll be they will recall immediately Paul Elliott and, and that injury. It's the one thing that sticks out from this season, and it was horrific, wasn't it? Horrible, horrible, horrible tackle. And even sort of nearly nearly thirty years on, and I think if you ask sort of many Chelsea fans, they still have that deep loathing for Dean Saunders. Huh. You know, so like bad enough he ends the guy's career. Then of who of all bloody people scores for them, but Dean Saunders, like oh. horrible, horrible, na- nasty person. But again, Paul Elliott as a man, you know, pre-lockdown, uh, I was lucky to have lunch with Paul. We chatted to him about it, and he bears no grudges. Where a lot of people would, you know, he's you know he's the bigger man and all this. He's moved on. He's not looking back. He's looking forward. But you know, I want to blame him if he held a grudge because th- that that tackle was shocking. And I think the worst part about it, I know he, he does the private prosecution later. How he didn't get justice, I really don't know. Yeah, when you had the example, I think was it Danny Thomas at Tottenham. When I think he got the elbow, was it fashion? I can't remember who. Fashion. Yeah, and I think he had to take a private prosecution out and succeeded. This was equally as bad, if not worse for me. Saunders did Paul Elliott and he ended his career. And I think that is scandalous that he never, he never you know, faced the consequences of that. I think the problem was the, the match of the day pictures, or the, the ones that we've seen as well, um, can't focus on the challenge sufficiently. That's what I felt. He I was actually there. Him, I, I was. I know. I know. No, but no, nonetheless, I, I, you just. What are you going to say? Sorry. It was a blatant stab. I no, mean, I, I, I know. But went... if you, I agree. But if you watch the pictures, if a judge is going to look at those pictures, it's not absolutely clear the ang- the television angle, and uh, 
it just looks like two players coming together. I was there. I was in the cop end. I was of course you a, were. I was like, well, I was. I was doing a, <laughs> I was doing a TV series in Scotland, and I'd driven down, and I was five minutes late for the start, and the only way I could I park the car, the only way I could get in was going into the cop, and I went and stood there. Did you do I a actually, in there? I, well, I actually, unfortunately, completely gave the game away because when. When he was jumped on by uh, Saunders, I went, for fuck's sake, like that. I remember that. And I remember like saying to me, are you, are you, he said, are you a Chelsea fan? He said to me. And I went, uh, I said, no, no, I'm not. I'm not actually. No, I'm just, uh, just said for fuck's sake. That's all I said. But um, uh, the die was cast and uh, <laughs> I, uh, I left early. Um, thus, uh, uh... <laughs> on, the, on the 11th minute. i moved away from him i tell you that i did that but um but yeah no it was it was it from even even you know miles away in the cop it was absolutely obvious this is why i was so bemused is when we watched the television um uh footage of it you think well it just looks like two players coming together unfortunately so if a judge saw that he would say i can't make a judgment on this Mm. but we all knew we all knew, they all knew, all the Liverpool fans knew he, they'd done him. And they all started singing, Dino, 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 because they knew. and they just, But they didn't realise it was a career ending. They knew he'd, he'd, he'd kicked him. We, we did reply, though, to be fair. Apparently, yeah. I wasn't there, but you guys were. And apparently we were going, Vinny's going to get you. Vinny's going to get you. Well, obviously, I didn't do that, Chief. Well, no, no, because they, they would have been getting you, mate, I <laughs> yeah, think. they would have been getting me, yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, absolutely awful and tragic I mean the thing that I do like about that, that match is about a few minutes afterwards dear old Rodders David Lee who features quite prominently this season we should have got him on the show shouldn't we bless him he's an absolutely he lovely obviously also because he replaces um, well he does uh, Paul but he's on the pitch and he scythes Saunders down a few minutes yes. later and what would have been a, a double red card these days and he, he yes, got a, he got a, 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 just a talking to from the referee <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the referee understood though didn't he <laughs> it really? was just lovely I have to say. Um, okay, um, I'm, I'm going to warn you now, boys. I'm going to kind of try and scoot through some of these. So what I'm going to do, because, I mean, we're we're only five matches in and we're an hour in. <laughs> and I need to go to bed this week, you know. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, like, I'm just going to, going to whiz through uh, the, the notes that I've got. But jump in if you've got something to say or put your hand up if you want something relevant to say about that match. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Can we just make, what was the game in where... where um... Uh, Porterfield said that Besson, that was yeah. the end Well, that's that. coming up. That's coming it's up. Coming up. That's Good coming stuff. up. That's, don't worry about that. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we go, uh, then go, well, we've got Norwich at home. I mean, just, this is the other interesting yeah, thing. Sorry, of course. Of course, it's the big game. It I'm is. sorry. Now, uh, sorry. Robbins leads another Norwich fight back because they win 3-2, uh, which is rather annoying. I, I, I kind of wonder, actually, and th- 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 there's something that can come out of this in a minute, whether the, the Chelsea players were affected um by what had happened with uh, Saunders. But anyway, it's the, the notable thing about this is that it's Spackman's second debut. Uh, we were 2-0 up, uh, and then we lost 3-2. 2-0 up, and then th- we lost 3-2. Two great goals, I have to say, uh, by us. Uh, basically, yeah. uh, Harford and Townsend scored really good goals, really good football, ruined by the legend that is D- uh, Dave Besson. Um, so basically, the first one, he and Mal Donaghy, basically just leave across for Robbins to score and they do the same again for Phillips's winner and uh, in the Indy it says Besson went down to gather the crawling ball I mean the first goal basically was a shot and he just like 
I can't, it's not very good radio, is it? But he just let it go through his through his uh, hands. And the second one, he did much the same. Um, as I said, he, he allowed the ball to bubble through his garage. Uh, now, apparently, uh, the, the, the Stamford Bridge faithful uh, booed the hapless keeper. And afterwards, it says here, this is this is interesting, because it says in the India, disappointed Ian Portville admitted that Besson probably needs to change as much as we do. Whereas in Rick's complete record, it says that he was really angry and said he'll never play for Chelsea again. Now, I know yeah. Dan's got his hand out and I will go to Dan in a sec, but Mark wants to come in on that. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah, what he actually did say was, you know, Dave Besson will never play for Chelsea again, which I, I actually thought was a harsh thing for him to say. And he, Porterfield, which will come for later, he turned out to be wrong. Dave Besson did play for Chelsea again. Yeah, and but, Ian Porterfield didn't. And Ian Porterfield <laughs> didn't, exactly. Uh, and the other thing, I was just going to say, uh, and you can understand, it was awful that day. It was like a reverse of Liverpool, is booing your own players. But, it, you know, you, you've always had that Chelsea. Certain players got booed. But it was the level of the crowd that booed Besson that day. It was a large part of the crowd. And you felt sorry for the guy. OK, you might have said, oh, for fuck's sake, Besson. You know, but you'd want That's the exactly what I did, Mark. Yeah. Exactly and they would. turned around, blow around next to you, turn around and said, are you a Chelsea fan? He's in the Norwich section this time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Danny boy, what are you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to say, I remember that you kind of beat me too about Portfield saying the best one they ever play against. I remember when that third goal went in, just just felt for Besson because you saw him head in his hands. Just because it was such a daisy. Well, at least he managed to catch shot. his head, mate. Yeah, yeah just just the softest daisy cut a shot. It just literally trickled over the line. It wasn't even very powerful. And you're like, oh, Besson, you clumsy fucking idiot, as yeah. my dad said. It was just oh, it's Kepper-esque, it was just, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. That's why I call I call Kepper the Spanish day, the Spanish yeah. day lesson. Yeah. But it was just so frustrating because we were in complete control, and then twenty minutes later, the game was lost. So annoying. Anyway, um, there'll be more of that in a minute. Uh, sorry, Mark, you just want to come in? He just reminded me about you know, you know the catching of his head, obviously, and we'll talk about it next season. I think next season is when he misses the salad cream jar and he drops it on his. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. Right. Next up, we just got... to say briefly, briefly, Church, we had a in our stand. There was always a boy who seemed to express every every feeling about these things. It, the, called, it called him. It was the the young boy. We'd always say, "What's the young boy got to say for himself?" And he stood up and just went completely berserk about this. <laughs> <laughs> and we just allow, allowed him to do his thing, you know. You fucking idiot! And we're all going. Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but um, yes, there was just a universal booing of the poor boy. So, okay, where where where, where were you sitting in that season? Um, I, I was um, uh, East Stand Upper. It was the following season that I went down into the middle. East Stand. We must have sat because I was East Middle up until. Um, Ranieri. So we must have sat close to each other because I was right next to what was the director's box. Wow. Well, no, uh, but we I, know I, was, sat... I was upper though, East East stand upper. No, that. then you moved down to middle, didn't you? Middle tier. Yeah, eventually I did. Yeah. 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 We must have sat close to each other. We I... didn't know. We I, ha- didn't know I have to yeah. fess up that uh, in September oh. uh, of this year, and of course, actually, uh, about. A week before the next, actually, just looking at looking at the Bounder Friday, twelfth of September, nineteen ninety-two, uh, the day before, or the week before that, in fact, uh, I had met my future wife, and within about a month, uh, I had been uh, enticed away 
from the the depths of uh, depravity of Lots Road, number 20 Lots Road, uh, down to uh, Winchester in Hampshire and was on my best behaviour trying to convince this because we got engaged about two months later. So I spent the next year living in Winchester uh, pretending that I didn't like football at all. Chelsea, who are they? I used to say, no, not interested. Oh, so I was shit. pretending pretending that I didn't like football much because I, I loved this woman so dearly. We are still married, you oh. know, 28 years later. So, you know, that was good cause. So I didn't go to one single match this season. Nada nil zilch. I was, a, I was an armchair fan for 1992-93. The look what of horror the on these boys' faces. Not one ounce of sympathy. Not one. Look at that. Plastic. Terrible. Plastic. <laughs> Plastic. Terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I deserve none. Where were you when we were shit? Well, exactly. Well, we weren't with that shit this season. Yeah, this part. Anyway, <laughs> next match: Chelsea nil, City. Uh, sorry, City. Man City nil, Chelsea one. Um, basically, this is interesting for a number of reasons. Well, obviously, you know, it's pretty dismal. Hitchcock replaces Besson, so Porterfield was as good as his word. Uh, it's Harford's fifth goal of the season. Well done. Um, Mick Harford. Now, you know, a minute ago, I, I said, I wonder if they'd been affected a little bit by what happened to Paul Elliott. Uh, I thought Townsend was quite commanding in this game. And there was a very ugly challenge uh, from Simpson, which left Wise writhing around on the ground. And he was booked for it. And he was, giving a dressing, he was given a dressing down on the pitch by a furious Townsend. And later, Townsend said to the press, I told Fitzroy he was better than that. And he said he didn't mean to do Dennis, and I'll take his word for it. But as captain of the team, I've got to stand by my players. I saw it as a bad tackle. I just did what I thought was right. A couple of weeks ago, we lost Paul Elliott with a bad injury, and I didn't want to see either Dennis or Fitzroy carted off and out of the game for the rest of the year. So I just kind of wondered, maybe maybe the, they had been a little bit, I mean, unsurprisingly, really, you know, to be affected by that. Uh, but, well, I think well played Townsend there. That's real captaincy material now Chelsea are now eighth in the table change yes I also felt there was a lack of I think they felt there was a lack of justice with the whole thing with yeah. Paul Elliott and I yeah. think they realized that it was a a career-ending injury they were hoping it wasn't but they feared for that and I think that that there was a pall over the team as a consequence actually and I think this is a this is a perfect example of um of how they were feeling I think there was a resentment at the fact that their their uh, um center half who was um uh, been if I remember rightly, been called up for England, hadn't he? Been he was in the England squad. Was um was being uh, uh would possibly uh, was going to be out definitely out for the season. Um, you know, because he says he says they didn't want to see either Dennis or Fitzroy carted off out of the game for the rest of the year. They knew he was going to be out for the rest of the year. So I think there was an, an indignation within the side at the time, actually, which yeah. um, which he expressed. Uh, the other interesting thing is, I mean, you know, we've all watched an awful lot of football, and of course, in recent years, with all the TV angles and TV cameras. You know, when when you see a really bad injury on the pitch, and immediately you can see in the players' faces how serious yeah. it is. I'm thinking yeah. of that. Um, oh bollocks! What's his name? Perez? Is it Perez? The Everton player. Gomez. Gomez. Thank you. When he got done by Son. Yeah, and you see the players' yeah. faces in horror. Yeah. What was really interesting? I mean, I, I, interesting is is perhaps the wrong word to choose uh, because it means a lot, an awful lot to us. But when Elliot got got done. That you had that kind of look in the players' faces, they all knew immediately how serious that injury was. So I think I think yeah. you may be maybe right there. Um, anybody who wants to know and understand how typical Chelsea are, the next game proves it. Right, we're eighth in the table. We've got a bit of form. Uh, Flex can't can't score for Toffee. Mick Harford scored five in about five or six games. He's doing all right. 
So we go and play Nottingham Forest at home, who are the bottom table. They, In fact, they, they are bottom now after about seven or eight games. They remain bottom for the entire season. This was the awful season where anybody who loves Brian Clough, as I do, this was just a... It was like watching a car crash happening in slow motion because he was an alcoholic and he'd lost the plot that season. He looked really ill and it was really, really sad. But anyway, they ended up getting relegated. Um and it was just awful firing blanks and we couldn't we couldn't put a goal past an abject forest and this, i love this in the indie when the home fans stood to cheer a gung-ho piece of defending by frank sinclair one realized that they had little else to get excited about <laughs> nods of agreement all round. i think we'll give that one a swerve um at this point i just want to quickly talk about i mean we guess we've kind of talked about eddie haven't we about how impressive his form was on the wing so let's just We've done that. Uh, well, let's go up to Highbury, shall we? Which yeah. is the next match uh, on the list. By the way, we'd, we'd, we'd beaten uh, Walsall 3-0 away in the, in the Coca-Cola Cup. We go to Highbury uh, in 11th place. And uh, a frustrating match, I think. Um, there was a ridiculous goal by Merson. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Kevin Hitchcock, who's retained the goalkeeping place ahead of Besson, obviously, uh, saves Lee Dixon's penalty. Uh, but uh, Ian Wright, not for the first time, uh, basically screws it for us by scoring on the 85th minute. But the interesting thing about this, I don't know if you boys will remember this, um, but apparently a police spokesman said that he had seen Ian Wright make one gesture to the visiting supporters after scoring the winner and had been told of another. He intended referring the complaint to Lancaster Gate. Mark? Yep, I remember. I, I, I was there. It was you uh, who made the complaint to the police? No, no. no. Um, uh, and in those days, in the clock end, you used to get half the clock end, and also used to give the sort of seat bit. On well, they, the they were yeah. they were rebuilding the North Bank this season. I was say, yeah. They were rebuilding the mural. The mural. So the mural, I remember the Arsenal murals. That's when you start to get the old Highbury Library. So you got a smaller bit of the end part of the stand where the away in, and I was in the seats that day, and we played well. Uh, as Kevin Hitch could say. And as as was the way back then, like the, the Chelsea end spent the whole time obviously referring to Mr. Mr. Wright as Ian Wank Wank Wank, and that constantly was for the whole game. And Ian Wank 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 Wank. So we equalise, you know, uh, with ten minutes to go, and then Wright scores the winning goal for Arsenal with five minutes to go, and then clearly he does come over to the Chelsea fans, you know. Uh, but do you know what? I don't have a problem with no, that. Me neither. No, I, mean, I think it's great. It's banter. It's, it's banter, fun. Isn't it? So, like, why the bloody hell? And I remember it. You know, people were complaining to stewards afterwards and reporting to the police for crying out loud. Like, you know, yeah. we got to yeah. bloody take it. So I was really surprised. It was in the Sunday papers the next day. Um, I said. All he did was celebrate a bloody goal. We've given him stick for the whole ninety minutes. What's the matter it's, with us? It's good to see. It's good to see that thirty years ago that we were all still as pedantic as we are now. Because apparently yeah. this was like jeopardising his England place and all sorts. Dan, all he was doing is talking about Nescafe coffee beans. That's <laughs> <laughs> because we were calling him a Gareth Hunt. Yeah, I, I've got no issue with support players giving it back because also they step over the line I mean we, we it was literally I was there as well Ian wank 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 Ian wank 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 for most of the match he, he got the winner so what like a double, double standards but no. it, was, it was it was it was just so annoying because I was but I was Townsend, in, you know, Townsend did him as well didn't he if there'd been VAR Townsend would have been off there was a dreadful tackle yeah because I, I was in the clock end with an, with an Arsenal friend and that's I can't there's the two games I've been to as a the way supports on the home end. I've, been, I've done it at Spurs. I've done it at Arsenal. Can never do it again. It's just impossible to keep control your emotions. It's so impossible. 
Right. Um, now, as a slight diversion here, because again, I think this is perhaps one of the things that a lot of uh, us remember, or a lot of people remember from the 1992-93 season. It's a bizarre thing called the uh, the Cross Channel oh, Trophy. Yes. Easy for me to say. Now, I, I could have the dates wrong again. Thank God we got Mark here to correct me when I'm wrong. But the dates that I, I uncovered, which was actually on Bound of Frydale, was that on the 11th of October... 1992, Chelsea beat Le Havre AC 3-1 in the cross-channel trophy first leg. And uh, apparently the the cross-channel trophy was a two-legged friendly organised by Ken Bates, intended to be an annual annual event, and it involved uh, Chelsea and the mighty Le Havre. Now, Bates actually apparently refused to publicise details of the away leg in France, fearing that Chelsea hooligans would turn up and spoil the big event. Uh, Chelsea did indeed lift the one and only... Uh, cross-channel trophy but mark i mean i can't find any evidence of the second leg anywhere do you remember when it was played second leg was played at the end of the season i think it was played around yeah. april uh, and, and it, it was a draw and probably as many went out to the away leg as probably were at that home leg on that sunday yeah i think the only yeah. remarkable thing about that home leg on the sunday is you, you actually have the debut and the oh the sole appearance as a second-half substitute of Alec Chamberlain in goal for Chelsea. Right. He did appear for Chelsea in that brief time he was with us on loan. He'd been on the bench for the last He'd few games, funnily enough. He'd been on the bench and not made appearance. Uh, he came on in that, that cross-channel game, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan, you, you were about to chip in? Yeah, I was going to say what Mark said. Yeah, I remember I was there for the, the game on a, on a Sunday night. It was like 11 o'clock kickoff something. It was like a ridiculous kickoff time, yeah. wasn't it? I, I was I, there with the... I remember Tell, Chell Tell, the dear old Chell Tell, back in the days of doing the fan cast in Putney Station, used to talk a lot about uh, the away leg, uh, you know, going over on the cross-channel ferry for the cross-channel trophy. So Tell remembers it fondly. JK, any memories of it? None whatsoever. None whatsoever. That You surprised me. I, it's I... a complete surprise to me that ever took place. Wow. I have no memory. Wow. But then, you... once again, you know, I, um, I, I need to be... Uh, Mark reminding me what's yeah, been going. Well, there you go. So that was the Cross Channel Trophy. I'd love to hear if anybody's got stories of the Cross Channel Trophy. If anybody's got stories of Cross Channel, let send them to me, and I'll do a blog on it. Okay, an anniversary blog on it. But uh, there I, you I go. Think, I think someone posted photos up on Twitter probably sometime in the last year. Yeah, it might have been Kathy actually. Yeah, but Kath uh, was definitely there. Yeah, Kath was there, but I think she posted photos of the players arriving at the hotel. And like fans, fans singing, you know, if I, if I remember rightly, yeah. But I, I, I didn't go to either game. I just thought, well, a pointless bloody friendly. But I think, I think from memory, you know, is I think we drew one all and it was Webb was in charge. I'm, I'm just trying to bring it up now. We played where it on where a, have you found it? Because I couldn't find this anywhere. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, I, all I did is I typed in Chelsea 92, 93 friendlies and you get Chelsea wiki. Uh, we played them on the 23rd of April, Friday night. A Friday night in Le Havre, and people come over on the ferry from Portsmouth. <laughs> I, I know people that went. It just said it was a piss up. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, um, uh, yeah. One that's all. What te- that's what Tell says. He said he got absolutely battered all, yeah, all weekend. I, I don't know anyone. Rem- I thought Graham Ricks from memory for some reason played for Le Havre. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. But, eh? but yeah. We got a side out in the second game. Yeah, like a first team side. Yeah. Frank Sinclair for us. Bottom line is, if you weren't at Chelsea away to La Havre in the Cross Ch- uh, Channel Trophy, then you're not proper Chelsea, I think. Is Absolutely. The, the, mor- <laughs> the moral of that story. Um, <laughs> right, back to the league. Um, we beat Ipswich uh, 2 1. Uh, Gareth Hall scores a decent goal, actually, his first for two and a half years. 
Uh, Frank Sinclair scores a debut goal in the Coca-Cola Cup against Newcastle. Um, Stewart's on the score sheet again against Palace. Joe Allen gets transferred to Brentford uh, on the 19th of November for 275 grand. I mean, I know you you, you really liked Joe Allen, didn't you? But I mean, I'm, I'm surprised in a sense, JK, he didn't go in the summer considering we bought Fleck and Harford and we still had Cascarino around as well. well very confusing as to why he ever got bought in the first place. He was one of Porterfield's great signings, wasn't he? Um, in the season before. But uh, uh, obviously they decided um, uh, he wasn't for them. Uh, we bought Cascarino by then. No, no, we, Cass is playing. He's just not getting in the side. He's not getting in, yeah. Well, if he couldn't get in the side, then uh, Alan definitely couldn't get in the side. So, uh, um, no, what a what a poor Poor purchase poor, poor. and a uh, poor purchase poor. and uh, performer. All the P's there. He certainly was. I say my great memory of Alan will be a goal he scored and he decided that he would celebrate by wandering into the shed. And I, I mean, as a consequence, he had to vault over all the, the publicity material, um, the the uh, the boards. He didn't have any kind of trendy 3D stuff uh, which you know on, on which is on the floor of the pitch and and you see it on the television in a kind of as if it's an actual board these were real boards vaulted over the board vaulted over the other boards that Bates had which were in a semicircle ran through the cars and ran into the shed and you thought hang on it makes it one one come on and that was when I shouted out my great I hate you Alan line and uh, got a, a rather nice ripple of uh, of of uh, laughter from the rest of the supporters. Bless I didn't you. actually hate him. I just thought I don't know why we ever bought him in the first place. Bless you, Mark. I know Joe will just remember for his, his his two goal celebrations in the Wimbledon and not not Notts County game. The thing I was going to say it was actually probably a good bit of transfer business because we, we not only got our money back on him, we made a small profit when we sold him to Brentford. So Bates was probably acting shrewdly in the transfer market. We sold him for two seventy five for Brentford, and but my mate, I think he did all right at Brentford. Yeah. I think he got a few goals for Brentford. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm going to skip over. I mean, skipped over. I mean, actually, I should mention that that Robert Fleck scored in the league uh, against Everton, his second goal for Chelsea. But um, we can't uh, allow ever uh, a defeat uh, or beating dirty leads to to go unspoken about. Now, uh, remember, this is on the 29th of November 1992. We play Leeds at home, one 0 We win. Um, we're we're fifth after this, so we're doing pretty well now. It's, we should we should remember here that Leeds were the reigning champions, having won Division One the season before. They're not having a good season, it has to be said this season, but they are, you know, they are the champions. Uh, David Rocky Rowcastle's playing for them, interestingly enough, uh, and Tony Dorito. So there you go, bit of a uh, bit of a Chelsea connection, um, and a decent team, it has to be said. Now, the thing about this match, my memory of it is the fact that uh, my mate Andy Townsend, I'm a bit of a fan of Andy Townsend, I have to say, scores a late winner. How did that go down, Mark? Unbelievably well. <laughs> yeah, I thought it might. Um, and again, this is my point earlier about Townsend. There were certain games in the season he went missing, and there's certain games in the season he stepped up. And this is one of the stepped-up games where he, he got man of the match from Sky. And if I think I remember rightly... This was Chelsea's first home game in the Premier League on Sky Television. It, it was a Sunday game. We played we played them on a Sunday. I think that's our first ever home game on Sky. We, we played a couple of away games on Sky, but I'm pretty certain that's our first game on Sky. Uh, Mark, on- Sunday the 29th of November, 4 o'clock. And it's yep. live. It's 
live. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other Super thing Sunday. Well, it's either this game or we play Arsenal later in the season. They had bloody sumo wrestlers on the pitch. Yes. Yeah, I can't remember in that padded stuff. I can't remember if it was the Leeds game or the Arsenal game. Yeah. Did we because we missed out on the sky dance, didn't we? We got sumo wrestlers instead of one game. I can't remember which one. Yeah. It was a it was a, it was a Monday, it might be a Monday night game. We definitely had the sky dancers one oh, game, didn't we? Yeah, that's the Arsenal game then. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Now, now the next match um, is a Coca-Cola uh, Cup match, which is uh, away at Everton. Um, two all. It ends up, uh, you know, from what just watching the season review, uh, Beardsley, uh, Peter Beardsley scored an absolute worldie. Although the I love the fact the commentator infers that it was caught by the wind because he kind of <laughs> deviated away um, from I think it would have been Hitchcock. Uh, yes, um, and uh, there was a Barlow free kick, but Stewart got the equaliser. Dan, I, I think I'm just just I'm going to ask you a second. Mark, is this the one you're talking about when we were talking on WhatsApp? Was it this? Yeah, it... yeah no, this this is the one. Uh, and but basically, I didn't go to it, but my friends went. All to right, it. I'm going to hold you there. I just wanted to check, but I'm going to go to Dan and I'll come to Mark. I oh, know, just very quickly, my, my mate is a very good Everton fan. They used to call him Stuart of Stuart over the Barlow. Because he was so bad. Really? I like that. Yeah. So, Mark, you got a good story about this one. Yeah, no, I, did, I didn't get my mates went to it. Nor, normally, and God rest his soul, a friend of mine called Mark Pulver, who uh, did the Chelsea Independent with, he normally drives to away games. But back then, it's probably the same now. A motorway trip midweek to sort of Liverpool was just like a pain in the arse, you know, roadworks, etc. So him and a few others decided to get the club special. So the club special had 300 people going up to Everton, usual stuff. Sun, sun read by Watford, like first brag game, people cleared out by sort of Tring. Um, but the train broke down. So the train broke down, you know, uh, of crew of all places. Uh, and there, there comes a point where you know you're not going to make the game. And there were people who were ever present and hadn't missed the game in years. And when you realise that you're not going to get there for the second half, you're not going to kill. There were some people like on the verge of tears. But, but the beauty about it, in, in the Chelsea Independent for the next game, you know, came up with this absolutely brilliant musical line, you know, and probably get JK to sing. Like, but obviously what they said is, oh, Mr. Porterfield, what shall I do? I want to go to Everton, but the train <laughs> stopped it through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Porterfield, what can I do? I wanted to go to Everton, but ended up in crew. Hey. That reminds me, that reminds me of the, uh, the uh, Carling Cup final against Liverpool. In two thousand and five, four, five, 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 yeah, uh, and uh, half time. Because I mean, we've been on the bit. We we got a pub to open up in Card in Tiger. Is it Cardiff Bay, Tiger Bay, or something like that? We actually got this pub to open up. He wouldn't, didn't want to. We were there at ten. He didn't want to have anything to do it. But we just kept on banging on the door until he opened up. So we had been on the beer all bloody day. And I think most of Chelsea had as well, because at half time I was absolutely busting for a piss. And I mean, even the lady there were there were very few ladies there, so even the blokes were going into the ladies. But you just couldn't go. And I started this chant: "Carefree wherever you may be, we can't go to the lavatory, and we don't give a fuck wherever we may pee, because we are the famous CFC." <laughs> Got a few laughs at the time. That's another chant from that, which I really enjoyed which was doing the rounds after, much to the annoyance of the Scousers. Just like Robin, we hate Scousers, or something like that. We love... No, no, just... I can't... 
No, no, just like Scousers, we love Robin. That's it. Get it right, Chidgy, fuck's sake. Anyway, we digress. That's 2005, which is going to be in about 10 years' time by the rate we're going. Um, very quickly, um, again, you can't uh, ignore a, a, a victory against Spurs. No, of course not. Now, the other thing is we're fourth. We're doing quite well. This is the interesting thing about this. I mean, we win 2-0, two late goals. Actually, JK kind of uh, alluded to this earlier because Eddie Newton scored both of them. Uh, because basically he had to move to the striker's role because Fleck went off injured. Um, but this Can is I what... just say, Ch- Ch- yeah, this, yeah. Was a, this was a wonderfully... Um, uh, it was a, a great experience. I, I was there and it was, a, it was brilliant watching us take them to the cleaners. But it actually yeah. meant there was an unbelievable feeling of hope that we were going to do really well this season after that game. I came away, uh, I don't know if, if, if guys you did as well, thinking that we were actually going to make a big impact on the division after winning there because we played so well. Stewart was absolutely brilliant that game, as was Eddie. And the, both of those were, were such youths. And yet it, it, was, a, it was such a, 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 a terrific team performance that um, we were all on an immense high. And it was, it was such a disappointment then the rest of the season, I have to say, from that one game. Uh, down yeah. Dan? Yeah, I'm saying with JK, it was just it was I was there and weirdly Sol Campbell scored made his debut and scored his first goal. You know what? That, that was I was listening to Talk Sport last night and Oh, so was I. Yeah, <laughs> and they were listening they they had that Sol Campbell thing and I thought, Oh for fuck's sake, I'm not listening to that. But actually it wasn't too bad. And I was listening to it's, it. Yeah. And they said exa- and he said exactly, Oh well I scored my, my debut goal, but I didn't really like the game. But I thought, Oh yes, yes, we're doing that tomorrow. Nine yeah. two, Chelsea. Yeah, so we thought. Yeah, no, so he scored his first goal. So I think he, like five minutes ago, so a bit of nerves in the last few minutes, but it was it was like JK walking out with, with a two one win, thinking, you know what? Ten feet tall. We're, we're getting somewhere, this is looking good. Yeah. Mark? And, well, we ended up. Yeah, I, I was going to say say the same thing. This is probably the high point of the season. I think this is where we really, really peaked. And I, we'll probably skim through it because not a lot happened. The following week, you know, we go to well, middle, I, you know, and, and we get a draw to go up second. So it didn't get any better than this probably for the rest of the season. Yeah. The only thing I, I want to add as well, the other thing about this game is Cundy played against us. Yeah. Yeah, bearing in mind, it wasn't his say in getting transferred. And all the protests about Cundy must stay and the graffiti, etc. There were some people who actually booed Cundy that game. That was the thing I, I remember as well. And I thought, hang on a minute, he never wanted to bloody leave, you know. Yeah. But it comes back to the mind of a football fan. No, but also I think there was an ignorance as well, Mark. I don't think that that information was disseminated in any way near the same way that it that is now. So we had no idea. We just saw that he'd gone to. That's from my point of view. We I saw he'd gone to Spurs. Did, I didn't did know. Did you the, boo him? Did you boo the him? The machinations. Did you boo um, him? I might have done. You did, didn't you? I you did. <laughs> I'm going to tell him. I'm going to text him in a minute. So you know what? JK booed you on the 5th of December, 1992. Do you remember, Chase? Yeah, I remember booing him, Chidge. Right, yeah, I'm happy to admit it. But then, uh, I've, subsequently, I don't boo Chelsea players, but I was young and misled yeah. by those around me. Okay, I'll let you off. All um, I can say. Listen, I, you know, you're all absolutely, I love you lot, you're all singing from the same song sheet here because the indie and their report, and I thought, I, I actually took this out in full because I thought it was fascinating. And I think Mark's absolutely right. And it's really interesting because I kind of, Mark, you know, said earlier on, this is very much a season of two halves. And I actually titled it very much like that in the notes. First half of the season, uh, punching above our weight. Second half of the season, punching below our weight. But 
this was pretty much the high watermark, as you boys were saying. Seven wins in nine games, including the significant, if untidy, one against Leeds United last Sunday, and Chelsea were thinking trophies. They seem to have mastered the invaluable knack of winning, even when playing badly. But whether they could maintain the momentum when injuries begin to, uh, began to nag at their confidence was central to yesterday's game. They had to adjust to the suspension of Mick Harford, whose abrasive and effective leading of their attack had taken them into the top six. And they did, because they put Eddie up front, and boom, he scores two great goals. Uh, now, Mark said a minute ago that um, we moved up to second after a nil-nil draw with Burra. Uh, but this is really uh, where... Um, and Hitchcock, by the way, was absolutely brilliant uh, against Burry. He was Kept, playing wonderfully. Yeah, but I was, never got this. Never got why they signed Kareem. Well, he was he was brilliant in this match particularly, and he pretty much yeah. kept us in it. But this is what this is what uh, both the Indy and then uh, Porterfield had to say about it because clearly he was being questioned about it because Dimitri Kareem was signed on the twenty second of December, which is like a week after the uh, uh, the. Um, I think obviously they knew he was going to be signed, so they were already talking about it. But in the Indy, they, they said that they were no goals scored highlighted the quality of the goalkeeping. Kevin Hitchcock, who was facing competition for his place with the signing of Russian keeper Dmitry Karin from CSKA Moscow, showed that he will not surrender his position lightly. And then following that, uh, Porterfield said, I'd give anything to win something with Chelsea. I want success for this club more than anything. Of his decision to sign Karin, he said, we are not bringing the Russian in to take Kevin Hitchcock's place. The fact is, we need two keepers. Kevin is in charge of the shirt because he's playing so well, and long may it continue. I've got a lot of players trying to get into this team, and the Russian will have to join them. This is a young side, and I've known them for four years and watched them mature and get stronger. It gives me great satisfaction, but we're not going to start shouting about being second for what might be a few hours. How present he was. But there you go. Um... The last uh, match in this kind of half of the show, because we're going to have a break in a second, is um, is the one nil win against Everton, which was the uh, Coca Cola Cup uh, replay, fifth round replay, um, and we won one nil. As I said, uh, there, there are only three things that I can remember from this game really. Uh, Andy Townsend scoring the winner. See, my mate Andy Townsend stepping up again when the captain's needed. Uh, I can remember Everton's absolutely diabolical kit. I think it's the, one of the worst kits I've ever seen. Even it even rivals Coventry's shit brown kit. But the other thing I remember was Gareth Hall with an absolutely awful tackle, which got a red card even in those days. But uh, Townsend adds the fizz mark. Yep, another cracking game. I was actually going to mention the Everton kit because... Ironically, we were talking about this sort of like last season when we brought in the pink and blue kit. And if you look at the pink and blue kit we brought in last season and look at the Everton kit, it's very similar. Yes. Very it's very similar. Because it's Umbro. It's um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. I know we're Nike, can't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're Nike. Nike. But this one's yeah. kind of orange and shit it's brown. An orange and blue. I was sorry, sorry, from last season. Sorry, sorry. No, I was I was um I was just thinking the reason that it because it's very similar to the the stripes that that we had uh, uh, subsequently because all they did was just they seemed to move the same design around. Do you remember that that um, the season we had the white with the yellow and the under the white under under arms uh, and Everton had exactly the same kit. It just it seemed they were unbelievably lazy with their design, and I, I hated that because I wanted my club to have an absolutely individual design. They want to be shared with two other clubs in the division. I found that absolutely bizarre. On kits, JK, this season, Sheffield Wednesday's kit is yellow and black. And then the following season, 
who turns out with an away kit and yellow and black, which is a classy away kit, by the way. I like yeah. it. Yeah. All they did is they probably had shirts left over, took the Sheffield Wednesday badge, put the Chelsea badge yes, on. And yes. the there you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a very quick interruption here. Breaking news. Because he's listening in the show at the moment. We've got, we've got, um, I'll, I'll give him his Twitter handle because he sounds, he's a brilliant bloke. Uh, Fat Frank 1905 on Twitter, at Fat Frank 1905. He's just posted four uh, pictures of La Havre away. Uh, and you know what you said about it being a piss up? You're not wrong. I wonder if Chelsea, <laughs> we're in our funny away kit. He's got a lovely picture. Oh, there's one with Spackers. Uh, definitely Spackers. Brilliant. Frank, this is brilliant. Oh, look at that. Go and check it out. At Fat Frank 1905 on Twitter, and you can see four pics from his time on uh, the Cross Channel Trophy second leg. Um, Dan, you looked as though you were about to say something before I rudely interrupted. No, no, I wasn't. No. I was just listening to what you're saying. All right, well, there you go. Yeah. Everybody go and check out at Fat Frank 1905, and you can see some pictures of, of the. Uh, oh, wow. Of, <laughs> yeah, they're brilliant, aren't they? Now, we are going to have a short break, uh, and then we're going to carry on with the second half of the season, where, of course, knowing Chelsea, it goes tits up and all downhill. Uh, but we will be back because we won't be going tits up and all downhill, I can assure you. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Football Fancast. Right, welcome back. This is Stanford Chidge. This is the Chelsea Fancast, of course, with our special 50 Years of Chelsea series, and this week we are doing. 1992 to 1993, and as ever, I have the wonderful olive olive eating Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely, delight to be on the show with such eminent guests. Uh, we have the wonderful Dan Silver. Good evening, it's good to be here. And we have the brain box that is Mr. Mark Meehan. Evening, great to be on the show tonight. Well, I I feel uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I feel in 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 esteemed company tonight considering I, I i kind of didn't go at all this season so i'm i am definitely uh in the in the doghouse with the dunce's cap on but there you go now before we uh get back into this uh, just a reminder that um uh well uh we will be back uh to do uh you know normal normal kind of service resuming fan casts i think uh, we will probably come back on air either the monday before the 14th we'll definitely be back on the friday for a preview show but in all, in, in just trying to work it out where I am because I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I might well be able to do. Uh, I'm going to be at Lords on the twelfth. The Friday is the thirteenth, so we'll definitely do a preview show then. But anyway, we'll be back. We'll be back for the beginning of the season. Until then, every Monday we're going to carry on with the uh, fifty years series. So next week will be ninety three, ninety four. Uh, the week after that, 94, 95. Uh, but on the Fridays, we're re-releasing from 1970 onwards. I think we're about 1973, 74, 74, 75 at the moment. So keep a look out for those. And, of course, we do have our wonderful little Patreon account where we have lots of lovely people who are very kind to donate a little bit of wedge every month for us, and we love them to pieces. If you do do that, obviously, we're very grateful, but uh, there's no pressure at all, really no pressure if you do, uh, you automatically get uh, access to our Discord group, which has been uh, going very strongly without me. 
I, I'm not engaging much because I'm bored shitless of transfer rumours and I won't engage. I'm, go- I'm very good, though. I'm very kind as the kind of administrator of that group. I have set up a separate channel for them so they can waffle about it to their heart's content, and it's called Transfer Arse Gravy. So they know where I stand. <laughs> they know exactly where I stand. And I do say hello to them occasionally. But anyway, there's some really good people in there, and they're lovely, and I'm, I, I love them all to pieces. We will have, by the way... Uh, the Premier League Predictions League back again this season. I need to talk to Kiro about that, but I think he's he's on the case with that as we speak. Uh, and the other thing about Patreon, um, you get a mini Kerry Dixon banner as well. Um, I'm waiting for a new shipment from the States. There's a long list of people that I owe banners to, but you'll get them in the end, trust me. So there you go. So if you want to join in that fun, donate a little bit of month, uh, money a month. We love it. I'm appreciative. And it is uh, patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So there you go. Now, back with the main event. Now, before we get into the football, uh, a very, very important thing happened for the future of the club on the 15th of uh, December 1992, which is when Royal Bank of Scotland handed Chelsea a 20-year lease with an option to buy Stamford Bridge following Cabra Estates insolvency and some rather nifty legal work by dear old Uncle Ken Bates. Um, we cannot do this show this season, JK, without commenting on what is arguably perhaps the most momentous thing that has happened. I mean, in a, in a sense, that is even more important probably than Bolton away in in uh, 83. Yeah, oh, completely. Because we wouldn't have had a club. No, indeed. If that well, hadn't happened. There might have been some dribbled attempt for there to be a club and uh, there were there were rumours at the time we might end up with Fulham or um, excuse me Brentford it might be Fulham Park um, Rangers yeah yeah there was all of those strange those those amalgamations of 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 clubs names going on and uh, where we might end up playing or we might share the pitch um, as of course Wimbledon had been doing at Crystal Palace all of this time that's right that's right um, so there was all there were all these rumours going around but I'd always go on about this Whatever you thought of Bates and his um, allegedly dodgy dealings with people, and I have a couple of friends who who uh, uh, felt his uh, experienced his wrath and his um, um, how can I put it chicanery allegedly. Um, uh, this was one of the great great um, pieces of business for the club. This this effectively um, uh, won the club back for us. And meant that we had a had a future, mm. because then he was going to be in a position to, uh, obviously, to he was going to buy it. He was going to buy the option. So which he, uh, which, he which he obviously did. Which he obviously did. So um, I'd like to know exactly. I don't. I'm not up to speed on what it, exactly he did from a legal point of view. And I, I I would be really interested if somebody could come up with that. Um, but I know it was down to uh, to the uh, a recession at the time that. Uh, Cabra all fell apart, but um, without Bates, we would not have Roman. Without Bates, we would not have um, rebuilt the ground. Um, Bates getting his fifty million uh, bond that he got and uh, creating a, a side that um, competed. Even we wouldn't have Hoddle. We wouldn't have had any of this. And so you completely have to take your hat off to the man for doing this, Mark. Yeah, I think as we move through the 50 years of Chelsea over the next few weeks, I'll obviously share some of my bait stories where it goes the other way. And my, I'll share my experience of getting a letter from Mr. This is Carl. not GB News. We're balanced yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll or K- my... KB News, in fact, I should yeah. say, shouldn't I, really? K- KB News. I'm getting my letter from Mr. Carter Ruck and Company through the door. <laughs> yeah. what, that, 
that's to follow yeah but on this i have to say you've got to admire the old bugger for this you know for his determination for sticking at it his tenacity and not just that he got it for 16.5 million you think about now and the value of chelsea and everything 16.5 million at a fixed price you know, not CPI plus one or whatever, the price would rise. So whatever at that point, and obviously he bought the ground soon after, whatever point in the future, it was still going to be 16.5 million, which is a bloody brilliant bit of negotiating. So fair play to him on this. You know, he made Chelsea's future secure. So you've got to say hats off to him on this. Absolutely right. Now, back to the football. Uh, 19th of December, we play Man United at home. Now, uh, this was a very big match. Always a big match when we play Man United, obviously. But at the time, United were fourth on 34 points and we were fifth on 33. So this was a real kind of six-pointer, I suppose, is what they would call it. I, I'm, I'm enamoured of the fact that I found yet another referee who comes from Great Bookham, which is clearly where all referees should come from, shouldn't they? Clever, clever. Very Mr. good. Mr. Bodnam. Uh, yeah. no, Ray S. Lewis. In fact. Oh, not Martin Bodnam. No, but there's, that's what I'm saying, ah. Dan. There are a lot of referees that have come ah. from Great Bookham. There's clearly something in that. Now, um, I don't really no, remember... Nobody from Yellow Cardham. No, from... No. Or, 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 or Big Redham or something. I don't know. Or well, no complete and utter bastard. Yeah. Or Blind, blind Alley. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's where they live. They all live in Blind Alley, Great Bookham. Anyway, we, we digress. Uh, the only, there are two things to note from this game, although the boys will probably... Uh, fill me in with more details, but Rodders scores a great uh, a great thirty yard drive, bless his heart, to, to put us one 0 up on sixty seven minutes. Um, and then the notable thing about this is the first goal that Eric Cantona scores for Man United, because of course he was playing for Leeds the season before, helped them win uh, the title. He's now at United uh, via allegedly Leslie Ash. Uh, less said about that, the better. Um, and this is his first goal for United, which spoils the party. Classic Cantonar goal, very clever. Um, but uh, boys, um, no doubt you're all there. Uh, biggest crowd of the season, I think, for us. Thirty-four and a half thousand near his damn it. JK, yeah. you're nodding. Dan, you're nodding. Dan's yeah. Dan's got the slight edge. He's got his finger up, and either that was yeah. picking his nose. I'm not sure. Uh, both. Now I remember. I think it was Cantonar did this most audacious lob from the halfway line, which hit the um, the crossbar over Dimitri Curry. I remember like everyone in the shed just applauding because I think he caught it on the half turn. Kyrie was in the edge of the box. He just did this little chip that hit the crossbar back into Kyrie's arms. But he just kind of the arrogance in which he was striding around Stanford Bridge like he owned it was just, you thought, oh God, they Kaz and I, they've got themselves a really, really good player here. Mm. Mark? Mark? Oh, what I was going to say, yeah, oh, sorry, what, what I was going to say is I actually missed this game for the only time in my Chelsea supporting career for being very, 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 very drunk. I had my Christmas do the night before and I got so drunk. Uh, I don't know where I went to. There was, there was a period where I went AWOL and I think I, I, I finally got home when the tube started running and I was sick as a dog throughout. You know, and I think I woke up probably sort of early afternoon and it was too late to get Stamford Bridge. I was that, that drunk and that sick. And that, that's the only time, in there'll be many occasions where I might have had a lot to drink. That's the only time where dr well, drink prevented going. Are you so drunk, Mark, you didn't care? No, I was just so drunk. <laughs> just, I, just, I, could, I was that drunk, you know, and I'm throwing up everywhere. Like, you know, I yeah. have to say, only Mark, 
I think that, as JK would say, that is poor, very poor. And I tell you why it's poor. It's it, I, I blame your friends for this. I think that's that's very dereliction of duty on their part. And I tell you this because I I I got absolutely completely out of my tits, absolutely out of my tits one night on a Friday night in Soho, pulled an all nighter, absolutely did an all nighter. And uh, it was a Tottenham game that day. I think it's the one where Gallus scored in the in the last minute. Oh yeah, 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 and uh, and I was gonna long it off because I I was absolutely I was still absolutely out of my tits, absolutely out of my tits. Doctor Mark kept on phoning me up, phoning me up, saying, "Get to the fucking game, get to the fucking game." I've got a pint waiting for you, got a pint, and he made me go, and I went, and I sat next to him all match, and I literally had my head in my hands for the entire match, barely stay awake, until of course Gallus scores that winner, at which point I you know uh, my end moved and I fell a few rows, but uh, so I blame your friends, Mark. That's very poor behaviour on their behalf. <laughs> I won't blame my friends. They would they wouldn't have known. It literally it was my work colleagues. It was my Christmas do. The do was in Pimlico. Where, somehow... Whereabouts in Pimlico? Oh God. Um, do you know Looper Street? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's probably gone now. At the other end of Looper Street, from not the Pimlico station end, the other end. My there end. Used, yeah, there used to be a bar or a club there in yeah. the nineties. I can't. For, it used to be a pub that then it became a nightclub. Yeah. And that's where we were. You know, yeah. for, for the Christmas do. There we but go. But somehow. I ended up Edgware Road, Marylebone in the early hours of the morning, but it was late getting home, and it was just my friends wouldn't have known. They'd have just said, "Oh, you know." No, I'm game, talking about your friends at the match, really, for not hauling you no, there. But anyway, known. they would have just sort of said at the next game, "Where the bloody hell were you?" I said, "I was very, very drunk." We are going to move on. Uh, the next match uh, is against Saints, one all Boxing Day match. The, the notable thing about this is the fact that uh, you know Eddie Eddie Newton scores the equaliser uh, two minutes from time. Uh, and they, the, a lot of players run towards the shed going mad. So they're still very much up for it. Kerry Dixon, of course, is, is on the bench for Saints. Ken Moncow is in their defence. But the thing that I think a lot of people remember, Mark, is, is Graham Lasseau. What happened with him, mate? Uh, Lasseau played well because we had a lot of young players in that side then. Uh, we had Lasseau, we had Frank Scott, David Lee. He was playing well that day. You know, he was having a good game. And for some strange reason, you know, uh, Porterfield took him off and put Craig Burley on, you know, you know another good player. And Lasseau just complete strop, walking past the bench, you know, he threw the shirt at Porterfield, you know, which probably begins to show cracks in Porterfield's management because, as people said afterwards, you know, that's like disrespecting the Chelsea shirts. Now, to his credit, he apologised straight away. But, you know, in the pub afterwards, people were sort of saying, people have been smacked in the mouth for less, you know. Yeah. So, 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 again, you know, Lasseau, you know, that's when people booed that day because it's a, an absolutely thing you do not do, you know. But I feel, oh, yeah, looking back, you feel sorry because he was playing well. But for some reason, you know, Portfield decided to take him off when the other players who weren't playing well that day, you know, my friend Mr. Townsend, but there was no way he'd take Mr. Townsend off, you know. So I thought Lasso was unlucky to come off that day, but you don't do that with Chelsea. God no. I, th- I thought Lasso was a fabulous talent and uh, one for the future. But even I, I remember saying, you can't do that when he'd thrown it down. I remember saying that yeah. to those next to me. You cannot do that. You cannot you cannot disrespect the shirt. I think I said he's disrespected the shirt. We can't have that happening. We can't have that. And I actually said, that's him gone. Yeah. Well, there you go. More of that later. Danny, are you chipping in? Yeah, that, that's weird. The only game I missed at home that season... I can't remember because I had, I had a minor operation on the um, the Friday, and, it was, and I couldn't wasn't fit enough to make it. 
Well, I tried really hard. I couldn't make I'm it. So sorry, I'm sorry, mate. I'm sorry. That's as poor as Mark's excuse. Sorry. I know. And literally, the only, only match I missed at home all season was that one. Yeah. And I, I still wanted to go. here for a second. It's, you can't say poor about anybody, Chidge. I know. You, I was wondering when you were going to notice that. Game. I was wondering when you were going to notice that. There's always <laughs> one. I've got my eye on you, kid. I'm watching you. <laughs> watching you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I mean, I think you know the, the the the. I think the really interesting thing, apart from anything else, is the fact that the way that the, the they all the players jumped, you know, towards the shed end. You know, that I think there's still that feeling that we're going to do something this season. I mean, Dowie had scored in the second minute. Eddie scores in the 89th, and there's that kind of classic. We're still in this. We're still fighting. And that's probably about the last time it happens this season. Next match we go to Wimbledon. The only interesting thing about that was that the lights went out. And I think that's a bit of a parallel for what's and about except, to And it was at, at Palace, of course. Well, of course, but the lights went out. Uh, and, and then we got the uh, the biggest match of the season, arguably, which is the quarterfinal of the Coca-Cola Cup against Palace, at, back at Palace. Oh, fucking hate that time. Yeah, and this is an absolute fucking nightmare of classic Chelsea proportions. It all kind of goes wrong, really. I mean, the, the, the first thing to mention is it's absolutely shitting down with rain. Um, but it all goes utterly tits up on four minutes when dear old Frank Sinclair, no, he didn't score an own goal, but he might as well have done. He did a back pass to uh, to uh, Kevin Hitchcock and the, ball, the, the pitch is so wet, it literally sticks in the mud in a puddle at the edge of the penalty area or or, or, approach, or maybe inside the penalty area. Hitchcock's kind of supposed to be running to, to, to kick it. Uh, and of course, the ball gets stuck. Uh, Chris Coleman... Uh, he he comes absolutely bolting in, slide tackles Ball and Hitchcock, and the ball literally spins, you know, tantalisingly towards the goal line, and literally just literally spins just over the goal line to make it one nil. And and to be honest, you know I know that uh, Townsend scores an absolutely cracking goal. My man uh, Townsend, by the way, Mark scores a goal uh, on the 18th minute, <laughs> but. But I mean, you know, we see him for the rest of the season. Well, indeed. Well, we we, yeah. we basically played like shit after that, didn't we? And no, uh, no, I no, no, I disagree as well, Chidge. Okay, fair enough. I disagree. If that night, yeah, we were very good. Unlucky. Yeah, yeah. We were, well, well, the game should never have been played if it's going to do things like that. Should never have happened. Yeah. Referee was completely idiotic. The fact, and you know, they're, they're, they're all, that old dreadful thing is said, oh, it's the same for both sides. No, you don't want to be playing football where somebody just plays a, a an innocuous back pass with the normal pace on it and it gets stuck in the wet and somebody slides in and scores. Well, Torres mean, scored a goal for us against West Ham with that happening. Very similar. Shouldn't, similar, should never have been played. Rubbish. Hate all of that. Should have been d- delayed at least until they forked the pitch or something yeah. to stop it. I mean, I, I just find that. Uh, the fact that we a goal is scored like that in a situation when it's a I know it's a it's a it's a quarter final of a of a of a major competition is is just annoys me. Mark, uh, I think there's only three games in Chelsea's history wetter than that game that night. I think sort of Bristol City away, yes. Norwich at home, and I think Man City at home on a Friday night in '78 when also the ball stuck in the mud. Also, Steve Clark had a similar effort in the second half. Yes, and where like palaces crawled over the line. Steve Clark stuck on the line. It was just the sort of luck we had that night. Even when Townsend scored, got us back in the game. You just thought, yeah, we're fine now. We're going to win this comfortably. But oh, they fluked their way to that. That you know, you know, we should never have lost that night. We were a far better team than Palace. Well, okay, I take it back. Then we were unlucky. I mean, Nigel Martin did play very well for them. Kind of kept the minute really because we did, 
we did have a go that's for sure but uh i think that the, the thing is 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 that you know right after that we then get thumped at home 4-2 by city um you know which basically means that we've only won once since the first week of december notable thing about the city game is john spencer scores his debut goal we then have borough uh, i'm just going to run through these and i'll bring you in jk all right borough uh, we play in the FA Cup third round uh, away up there. We lose 2-1. And then we go to Forest, who, remember, are uh, bottom of the league still. And we lose 3-0. I mean, the wheels just fell off after that Palace match, JK. Um, what was I going to say? I oh, forgot bollocks, I sorry. Say. It's, been... okay. Yeah. it's okay. You're, you're um, it's okay. It was about Harford. Um uh, if I remember rightly, I don't think Harford played in any any of these games. He did. He was. Uh, he played against Palace. He played against City. I've, I've got it wrong then. And he played against Borough. And he played against. Oh well, I'm I'm completely wrong. There was a period Forest. where he was suspended. He kept getting suspended. Um, and I I hated it so much because I was so fond of him. I just thought he, I. It's the same way that I love Mark Hughes. I like a centre forward who just puts it about. I just. You know, I, I, there was a there was a, an ability to just hang in the air, and I just felt it was great. He was a great centre forward, old traditional style, you know. But I'm completely wrong. I thought that it was contributing to the team not playing well. But uh, meanwhile, no mention of Fleck is there because he was just getting worse and worse. Mark? So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, a couple, a couple of things. I'm going to talk about sort of John Spencer. Yeah, and it ties in what J.K. was saying. Halford was suspended at December, but around about this time. And I thought it was a mistake on our part. The club were trying to get rid of Hartford. Uh, and there was a deal we tried to do at Luton Town where we tried to swap Hartford for Philip Gray. Now, Philip Gray at that time had scored about 22 goals in a couple of seasons for Luton. Oh. International. Uh, but David Pleat put the kibosh on the deal because Pleat saw Hartford as a threat as a potential future player manager or potential manager. And Bates was trying to do the deal with that infamous chairman, David Evans. Yes, Tory MP. So, Tory MP. So we unsettled Hartford because I, I, I'm with JK. Hartford, other than that suspension, had a good season for us. He, he was very, very good. Uh, but the thing I want to say about Spencer, Spencer was really not utilised much by Porterfield. Yeah. And he came on at that Man City game when we were already 3-0 down. And he, he put a spark back into that side. Yeah. And no sooner he was on the pitch, he made Stewart's first goal, got one himself. And with five minutes to go, we've gone from 3-0 to 3-2, all inspired by Spencer. And then, unfortunately, in, in chasing the equaliser, City went up and got a goal at the other end. But Spencer, you, that was beginning the turning point where John Spencer became a regular in the Chelsea side. You know, that Man City game, you know, he really vitalised him. You know, the wrong result, and then we fell out of the FA Cup, and then we lost to Forest, and the wheels started coming off. But then he made a start in the next game against QPR and scored a cracking goal. I remember you're absolutely right. You have reminded me completely of the fact when he came on, we all commented on what a, what a decent-looking player he was and the spark that he gave to the forward line. Absolutely right, Mark. Thank you so much. You're, you're there to you nudge me into remembering these things. I think how poor, you're not, how poor Fleck was by then. I yes. think we were. I mean, going talking about the Borough match, I think we were a bit unlucky there, you know, because we we you know. We dominated for most of the first half, but, uh, you know, Hitchcock gets the peasant disease and drops the ball for the equaliser, and it was pretty poor marking for their winner. Um, it's very interesting what, what Townsend says about this in, in the season review. 
which kind of echoes what I was thinking, really. So the Palace game had a serious effect on us. Um, you know, we dominated. Um, we dominated. Uh, uh, I think he means the City match here because uh, Sinclair. Oh no, no, he's talking about the Palace match. Sinclair's error, Martin's heroics. He thought that they were naive against Borough, but they should have won it. Um, but I, I mean, that said, I mean, I don't know how you explain losing three 0 away to Forest. I mean, apart from the fact that their first goal was about a mile offside and Burley hitting the bar. Um, but you know, that's that's the you know, I mean, th- th- this this streak meant it was like ten matches with, uh, after after a streak of ten matches without a defeat in eleven days. Chelsea went out of both major cup competitions and basically surrendered vital ground on the fringe of the title race, losing four games in a row and conceding twelve goals in the process. This this kind of reminds me of that um, spell in eighty five eighty six. But, but isn't it also a mirror of of the season before, and the is season it, before that, and the yeah, season before yeah, it's, it, which it's is great energy for the first first up until December or even in, season before was to February, and then and then we, then we couldn't we couldn't do anything, and that's why I'm surprised that Porterfield kept kept the job really the season before, mm. but uh, he managed. I suppose Bates thought, well, I'm getting rid of lots of players. So perhaps he'll turn it round. Well, I, I don't. Who knows what's going on? But you're right. There was. I think there was. I think there was a lot of. We'll talk about this when we summarise it all. But I think there was a lot of uh, discontent, and it was a bit unsettled there. I mean, we then we then uh, draw one all with QPR, which in those days wasn't a bad. In fact, we're very unlucky because Alan Bradley Allen scores a last minute equaliser. Dimitri Karin's first game. Spen- also, you know, Fleck was dropped for that game for John Spencer. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting, and that's under Porterfield. Yeah. Even though we are ninth of January, we're now yeah we're end of, end of January. So uh, I shall I shall not I shall not reveal what happens next yet. But uh, we then lose at home to uh, to Wednesday. Now this is interesting. Having made his debut uh, against QPR the previous match, um, here's a qu- and this is great. It's almost like a this is a great uh, pub quiz question. Have two goalkeepers ever made their home debuts in the same game? Uh, which, of course, was what happened because Karim went off in the first half uh, because he was injured. Uh, and then Jerry Payton, who oh, has yes. been who has been an answer in a Chelsea quiz that I have been a part of, came on for the second half. Uh, but they both let in goals. And uh, that means that we failed to win in nine games. Um, and, uh, and this is lovely. Uh, this is what the Indy said about it, chaps. It was one of those Stamford Bridge afternoons when all the regulars could do was work on their gallows humour. For some of the first half, Andy Townsend was like the one hellraiser at a party when the other ten guests do not want to join the fun. Pretty much sums it up, I think, by the looks of it. Now, hands up, everybody, who went to Oldham away. Nope. None of you. Nope. None of you? Nope. You made the right choice. Away, it's bloody freezing up there. It's one. It's one of the highest grounds in the country, isn't it? I think yeah. West the Hawthorns is the highest. Weirdly, yeah. But it's one of the high. Well, the thing about this, sixth of February, Saturday, sixth of February, uh, nineteen ninety-three. Um, it was you couldn't see anything because it was so foggy. I mean, talking about playing in the wet, J.K. Uh, oh. I'm amazed that that match went ahead, and of course, as a result, it was full of comedy goals. Uh, the first one deflected off Roger Milford, the referee's bum, into the fo- into the path of Henry, and the third from another classic. Oh my God, I can't cope with the back pass rule, and I have to kick it straight to the opposition who score a worldie uh, from the from the rebound, which is what happened. 
Uh, Oldham, of course, are at the bottom of the table and hadn't scored for more than eight hours. How chels do we get? I think, Judge, there were lots of goals scored that season were. or even attempts on, on goal from the, from the goalkeeper panicking when the ball was passed back to him and just stubbing their toes on the ball and it going out not very far and the ball just being smashed back into the net because uh, they were so unpractised at that, the goalkeepers. They were indeed. Um, next match is a nil-nil at home against Liverpool. All I've got to say about that, it was dour. Uh, and then the next match Dua. is Dua. Dua. The, the other thing about that game, it was David Hopkins' debut. We it forgot was. to mention it. he was one of our signings that season. He joined us from Morton. He did. He did. When did he join us? He joined us in September, 92. Mm. 300,000. We, we sold him uh, crippled Alice for 850. So another good bit of transfer business done by Mr. Bowe. I remember he started off okay, though, didn't yeah, he, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, actually, I think it was it the following season he got a cracking goal up at Goodison as well. Yeah. So he started yeah. a lot, lot of enthusiasm for him, and he had a good career, David Hopkin. But you know, I think he probably only played about sort of like twenty odd games for us from memory. Yeah. So uh, after the Dower nil nil against uh, Liverpool, where Hopkin makes his uh, debut, we then have Villa at home um, on the thirteenth of February. We lose one nil, which means basically. That's no win in 12, and we're now 11th. Villa, it should be said, are, are, are second, and they're going for the title. So, again, they're no idiots. But uh, it does take another comedy goal where uh, Sinclair and Donaghy try and tackle each other, which uh, let uh, the wonderful... I, I say this because anybody who's met him will actually acknowledge he's a really lovely chap. But Ray Houghton, who, in fact, apparently in the summer we had tried to sign... He gets in to score. I'm delighted to recount that Dean Saunders was roundly booed and barracked every time he touched the ball. Can I say, Chidge? Yeah, can you let me just finish for one second? And Dennis, by me. Dennis Wise. By Dennis... me, Chidge. By me, non stop booing. Good. Uh, and Dennis Wise was stretched, stretched off with severely torn ligaments, which explains why he only played 32 matches, JK. Um, yeah. There's a, I, the, the, the new aim on of this I will talk about in a minute, but I can see Mark is eager to get in. The other thing, Saunders got booked in that game. For another snidey little tackle, but he got booked this time. Leopards and spots. Leopards and spots. No, he's a shithead. Always has been. Um, bottom line is, uh, soon after this match, in fact, two days later, Ian Porterfield was sacked after a run of 12 games without a win. Um, it's really interesting, actually, because Andy Townsend, talking on the season review, says that none of the players were surprised. Because, I mean... Do these guys have no... It's like nothing changes, do they? None of them own up and take responsibility. He sits there saying, well, it's not really a surprise he got sacked because, you know, the results were rubbish, really. Well, which which part of that do you not take any ownership for? It's the, the same today, isn't it? Oh, well, you know, not surprised the manager got sacked and kept losing. Well, you know, for fuck's sake. Anyway, uh, the interesting thing, of course, is that David Webb, legend of 1970, comes in. Now, the question I really want to ask before we talk about Porterfield, we'll talk about Porterfield as a manager, I think, in the summary. I have to be honest. I, You know, where did David Webb come from? I mean, I, can't, I, I'm, I really, even now, can't understand why he got the, got the, temp, the, you know, the Gus Hiddink role. Anyway, well, we were all completely surprised. By yeah, well, it. me too. At the time, just thinking, we were, we were all speculating on who would come in as manager. And for it to be Webb was just an uh, absolute... It was, did he, it was, did know, he come it, from Brentford or something? or South End. Sorry? South, South End. End. Then he went to Brentford office, didn't he? Yeah. I think you just sort of kick up the arse, kind of, oh, I'm Dave Webb, all right, mate. Yeah, kick up the arse. 
because it was it was kind of going back to a Chelsea legend trying to kind of instill a bit of shit house behind these players who were so lazy. Obviously, point for a lot of dressing. Well, room. they were. I mean, I, as, I as, I said, as I said, Dan. I mean, this half is punching below their weight. Yeah, I mean, I was at Harding to watch them train. Um, was was Dan Turner there as well? Was he number two to Portugal at the time as well, or not? No, Don Howe was. Was no, Turner not there? He was there. Part he, he was there. He's part of the backroom staff as well as Don Howe. Yeah, because yeah, I remember I went. I went to watch them train, and um, Townsend was playing, and basically. Townsend kicked off with Turner and um, they, um, Portfield and said, oh, you can all fuck off. And he walked off midway through training. And Dennis Wise then, when training finished, walked back up and on Townsend's car, dirty, he wrote on it, suspect temperament. Wow. I remember that really well because I was there. It's before days of like mobile phones and stuff like that. And Townsend was properly having a go at Turner and um uh, uh, point for say you're training shit you're all shit you know what you're fucking doing you're all shit and he walked off and then that was it and wow. Dennis Wise kind of that was it I mean, really distinctly being so well sitting there thinking oh fucking hell this is exciting Mark yeah interesting thing about the Dave Webb thing um, if people get in the Chelsea Independent back then and prior to that there was quite a campaign for David Webb in the Chelsea Independent pages if you know the former editor Nick Brown you know, Nick Brown did an interview with David Webb spread over about four issues. You know, it was like a bumper interview with David Webb. And so there was lots of talk about, there's lots of Chelsea fans, like, as, as Dan said, getting the old sort of like hero of 1970 back. So I don't know, you know, Bates clearly read the fanzine. What I thought about the Webb appointment, it, I thought it was a really popular choice, but no one was calling for Portfield's head. There was no Portfield out campaign. I just think maybe Bates was a bit win-win here. You know, by going for a legend that was um, David Webb, if it succeeds, Bates can say, well, hang on a minute, what a brilliant idea by me, and he'll take the credit. But if Webb had failed, Bates would have also said, ah, oh, it's all your fans' fault and you bloody fans. You were, you, you were clamouring after him for ages. Well, you got him and he was no bloody good. So probably quite clever by Bates, a win-win situation. Yeah. Mm, interesting stuff. Well, there you go. Webby turns up. Well, we then uh, lose his first game. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, Dan. <laughs> Dan, Dan is going. I'm gonna to have to. I'm gonna to have to call it on I on air because I can't not. He's Go going, on. He's going for a quick pee. But uh, uh, we play Blackburn. This is um, Webb's first match. We lose two nil. A bit of a, another kind of ridiculous, ridiculous game. Uh, Newell scores a kind of Van Basten esque goal, which really he can't possibly have meant. And then Sinclair gets sent off for a brilliant on the line save, handball, obviously. Newell then does one of the worst penalties I've ever seen, and probably the the ball's still in the Ribble Valley somewhere. Uh, and then he scores a second. And um, the interesting thing, though, Jonathan, I know you got your hand up, but I mean the the interesting thing was that he it's a very interesting team selection he, he chose that day. Cascarino comes in for his first start for sure. Um, Anthony Barnes is playing, uh, but uh, what were you going to say? You had your hand up. It was just a certain style of football that um, that Webb played was was much more direct yes. than had been played under Porterfield, it, and and also um, there was very little finesse about it. I remember um, uh, the ball was booted out a lot um, defensively. Whether and we felt this was just really back to basic stuff. Well, and uh, and it was interesting seeing Cascarino make his start. Can I just say for a second that Blackburn, of course, 
um, uh, were a team that were assembled with one man's money uh, and nobody objected at all about it, Jack Walker. Yeah. Um, whereas the second, of course, that we have a manager who starts buying players. Well, Kenny everybody. Dalglish was their manager. Indeed. He brought them all in. He brought everybody in. Yeah. And Lasso, of course, was a was a, a player that he got. And he bought... Um, uh, and he, he bought... Um, uh, well, Shearer was playing Shearer for them. from Southampton, yeah. Uh, and even the... Uh, Wilcox was bought. Ripley was bought. They were all bought to play in this side. And the result was they won the league the following season. They did. But it's just interesting that... The fuss that was made when Abramovich did exactly the same thing in comparison yeah. with Jack Walker doing that was just always something that always... Because he's foreign, isn't it? Because he was foreign. But um, I, I was intrigued by um, by bringing back the players who hadn't been selected uh, and playing Barnes, who I actually, once again, I, I'll say, I said at the beginning, I thought when he played, never disgraced the badge. I thought he was pretty good. And Cascarino, bizarrely... Um, not been playing at all, which didn't make any sense. This is first me. start, first start yeah, of the season. Yeah, considering that he was um, an Irish international, and, yeah. he, and he and he played so well at Millwall with uh, with Sheringham, of course. So um, I was bemused. Well, what's by that. it really interesting is that Fleck, Cascarino, and Harford and were all, all of them play. All playing. I know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah. Mark, you've uh, been waiting yeah, patiently. It was a strange formation: Fleck, Cascarino, and Harford. You know, Cascarino and Harford in the same size together, very direct. But the well, other thing. The other interesting thing about this, and the wheels are in motion, is on the bench for Blackburn this day is a gentleman called, not Dr. Livingston, I presume, Steve Livingston. Yes. Uh, and basically, we do the deal after the Blackburn game where Steve Livingston joins Chelsea and we sell, we swap Graham Lasso to Blackburn Rovers, which is a crappy transfer deal. And Livingston only plays about 20 minutes of football later in the season. Yeah. 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 So well, he, he, was he was brought in for, for Harford as Harford's replacement because Harford's off on the 18th, which is literally about well, two weeks after this. Yeah. yeah. Dan, Dan I, I think what he was doing, though, Sorry, what Webb was doing, was he was playing Harford and, um, uh, Cascarino. Uh, and Cascarino together as the, as the dual strike force because he was playing Fleck as the winger because he was so quick. So uh, that was why he was selected because he did. He really did boot the ball into the corner a lot and run after it. I mean, I was bemused about that mm. even more so. Dan, yeah, I remember Steve Livingstone. He was, I think, when Blackburn's first started getting some serious money. They brought him from Coventry because he had quite a couple of really good seasons at Coventry, scoring lots of goals. He was kind of like kind of like Gordon Jurius, quite powerful, quite direct. And Blackburn signed him, and then we, as you say, I think he played twenty half an hour, and then he. Sold off somewhere else, but he he, he was he wasn't a bad player, but he obviously you know bit bigger club he couldn't quite cut cut the mustard. Another bizarre signing that was for sure. It 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 was. I mean, if I'm being kind to Webby here, one one thing that I notice from the remaining kind of one I don't know about eight eight nine games of the season, it appeared to me that because uh, because uh, I mean he he does make a lot of changes all the way through his career, and he says so I mean in the end of the se- uh, you know in, in his interview at the end of the season he he kind of says that uh, very gus hitting like in a way he was kind of trying to obviously keep us in the league which they managed to do fairly comfortably but he was he had an eye to the future whether they were he was going to be there or not so looking at youngsters looking at formations looking at different players and he did a lot of that. But one thing that did kind of come out a lot, Johnny Spencer ends up getting quite a run towards the end of the season and quite often plays with Cascarino. And I'm, I'm thinking, you think of the time we're talking about. 
I know it was all very kind of, uh, you know, classic English hoof the ball up route one. But actually, what you've got there is an even more English classic, which is big man, little man. And the number of times that Cass would win the ball and lay it off to Spencer, the little man, to go and score. You could kind of see what they were trying to do there, which I thought was quite interesting. Because, I mean, you know, Johnny Spencer scores. uh, And Stewart, of course, you could say the same about him. You know, Spencer scores against Arsenal. Um, yeah you know so you know the, it's just a kind of interesting de- development I'm just kind of running through the last few matches of the season uh, a couple of notable ones Mount Donaghy scoring two goals uh, after having not scored a goal for five years uh, that was great I was at Ellen Road yeah, that night yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was, Mount Donaghy scoring up at Ellen Road was fantastic uh, yeah and we went. I think we went ahead from no, no. Leeds, Leeds went ahead and we equalised. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he scores again against Borough, uh, Dan. Yeah, yeah I know they apparently they um, just tried to sign Phil Bab at the same time. So centre half be Donaghy Bab, centre half. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, uh, the Saints game needs a mention <laughs> because uh, not just because Chelsea lost. It was another Dave Besson era because this is this is another thing. He's kind of. Flipping between Besson and uh, and Hitchcock, but uh, Bess, Besson gives an error uh, from a Dowie shot. But like, what I like about this is the fact that uh, it led to uh, what they, they call Nicky Banger scoring. It's Nicky Banger. Everybody knows it's Nicky Banger, not Nicky Banger. Uh, you know, for God's sake. Anyway, Mark. No, the other thing, we went, we went past it, the Middlesbrough game. Um that's where probably experimenting again. And he brought, he brought in Darren Barnard. Yeah. And I thought Darren Barnard was a good, good left-sided me player. Too, me too. Darren Barnard scores an absolutely peach of a goal in the last minute of the game. A, a, you know, a, a left foot, a right, you know, right at the shed end, a, a cracking goal. But it was great second half. All the goals were at the, uh, at, at the shed end. And as you think back then, there was a lot of hatred of Chelsea fans between us and Middlesbrough because Middlesbrough, in effect, you know, relegated us a few years earlier. You know, so there was no love loss between and Chelsea. And knocked us out of the cup. And knocked us out of the cup earlier in the season. And then we get our revenge in later years at Wembley. You know. But we absolutely spanked Middlesbrough in that second half. And Barnard had a cracking game that day. And he crowns it with a beautiful... People on YouTube, watch it on YouTube. Brilliant left, left-footed goal, the last goal of the game. Mm, absolutely right. Uh, we... We uh, we then beat Wimbledon 4-2. Wisey gets a pen. Another great goal by Gareth Hall and uh, one from Johnny Spencer. And, of course, uh, Neil Shipley, who made his debut in the defeat uh, to Southampton. Uh, and then we... He scored a cracker, Chidge. He scored a cracker. He did. We thought great things for Shipley after that. Yeah. Got yeah, to the edge of the penalty area and just, just slotted it home in the, mm-hmm. into the left-hand corner. And I remember thinking, wow, we've got a boy for the future here. Wow, what a great player he's going to be. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with JK because we got, we got Shipley because I think we played a, a team called Brookhouse in the Middlesex Charity Cup. And I think Shipley was only about 16 then playing playing with men. And he, he was just a boy. And he went through our youth team and reserve setup. And he, he was like Greaves-like with the amount of goals you know, Shipley yeah. was scoring. So fair play to Webb as well. You know, he gave Shipley his chance. Lo and behold, Shipley scores on his debut. Then actually starts the following season as first-choice striker. He does indeed. Now, uh, last three matches of the season, we go up to Old Trafford. Uh, United are uh, champions-elect, really, by this stage. We were horrible. We got thumped through nil. There was another Besson error, this time when Hughes scores. Stevie Clark scores an own goal. 
The interesting thing about this, chaps, was that even in those days, that was we'd only lost once in our previous 17 visits to Old Trafford. Who'd have thought? Well, we had a fantastic... We still have a fantastic... Well, I know. But it goes back way before yeah. that. That's that's what surprised me. But there you go. Uh, beat Coventry at home 2-1. Mickey Quinn uh, scores a ridiculous goal for Coventry. I don't know if you recall that. No. No, don't remember that at all. No. Last match of the season. Pretty abject. Uh, we lose 4-2 to Sheffield United. But this is one for Mark. Two Sutton players score for Sheffield United, don't they, Mark? They do indeed, but th- this is Arkwright's day out. <laughs> so we, we always used to have back then, I think middle of the year before we had a beat party, so there was always a fancy dress theme. So, you know, so we suggested the Chelsea Independent, like completely regionalist, you know, and you had Ronnie Barker's um, Open All Hours and obviously Arkwright and Granville. Um, you know, so we basically saw Christian Sheffield United, Arkwright's day out, and you had to go there, uh, the fancy dress, you'd probably call it modern day Peaky Blinders. So you had to have a flat cap, you know, braces. Uh, a yeah. whippet. Yeah, and a whippet. You know, so actually one of the guys on our coach, we did a coach up there, a guy called Nick Davis. He actually made a homemade whippet. <laughs> you know, and he carried the whippet <laughs> down on a string for the whole day. And the police thought we were absolutely mad. There's some great pictures of this, Mark. You should put them up on Twitter, mate. Yeah. Uh, and then so 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 we got we got the coach up uh, and you know and I, I booked the coach so I just sort of said like you know you look on sort of like um, A to Z map and there actually is a town called Arkwright Town and I, when I said to people where are we going for the pre-match drink I said we're going to Arkwright he said no 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 Arkwright's day out I said no we are going to Arkwright so we leave we leave London eight o'clock get to Arkwright just before eleven o'clock. An Arkwright town is an old mining village, you know, so it only had a population back then of about 300. It's got it's got a fish and chip shop, uh, no pub, and the Arkwright Miners and Welfare Social Club. So I knock on the door just before 11 o'clock of the social club. The landlord comes downstairs and he goes, oh, sorry, we're closed. And I just, and obviously I'm dressed with a flat cap, you know, braces, you know, you know uh, and there's 51 people behind me dressed exactly the same and a whip here. And I said to the landlord, look, there's 52 thirsty people on this coach, come up from London. Um, any chance you can open up early? And, you know, 52 people. I imagine the Artwright Miners and Welfare Club gets about three people on a Saturday. So he goes, give me a minute. So he literally <laughs> opens up the club. And have you ever seen, like, Fred Truman, Indoor League? Yeah. You know, I'll see you know, It was like going into Indoor League and it had baskets <laughs> You know, our billiards, snooker table. We just didn't have a man in the corner with a cardigan and a pipe on. And there's this brilliant moment. We're all in there having a drink, you know, playing snooker, playing sort of um, skittles. And this guy walks in uh, and we talked about the start of the show, like Man United had that collarless shirt as well with the string. And they had the Newton Heath design, the green and yellow one. So this guy, clearly a local from Arkwright, He's probably said, um, I'm going down the club pet for a pint and watching football focus. And he walks into the club and he walks up to the bar. And other than us, there was hardly anyone in the club. Yeah, because they opened up an hour early and he walks in dead on 12 o'clock. Football focus comes on. He orders the pint. And then one of our crowd starts going, who the fuck are man you know? <laughs> and it gets louder. And uh, 52 people scream at the top of the voices, oh, the fuck, man, you're not. He puts the pint down, 
goes, see ya, and he walks out. I'll see you later. I'll see you later. And he probably gets home with his wife five minutes later. I thought you were going down the club for a pint. No, love, I'm going to leave it for this week. Yeah. I'm, ne- I'm never drinking again. I'm never drinking again. And then we get to Bramall Lane, and obviously there is a photo of Neil Smith. Everyone knows Neil Smith. And he's in the Chelsea section, and he's got a flat cap with a pigeon on his head. You know, and it was that, that's that sort of weird sort of day. Like he's literally walking around for 90 minutes with a pigeon on his head. And it basically, everyone was just pissed. Like, you know, and it, it was like <laughs> the end of the season, we were rubbish. You know, I think we were 4 0 down after about an hour. And then we got two late consolation goals. But the apparent story was, you know, because that day was in the press going up there, because we all bought the papers at the, the station in the morning. They announced Hoddle that day. Bad timing. They announced Hoddle as the new Chelsea manager. Webb fancied his chances of getting the job. Yes, he did. Webb never came out for the second half. Wow. Webb was not on the bench for the second half. Webb retired to the bar at Bramall Lane. He was so pissed off with Bates. Was he wearing a flat cap, though, and braces? He, I don't know. I, I don't know. He should have yeah. been. Yeah, he, he should have been. because What a fantastic story, top, Mark. top tier and the lower tier that day. The, fan, the following from Chelsea, which always was, was fantastic that Great, day. Yeah. And everybody pretty much dressed up with flat cap, whippets and braces. You know? Wow. That was kind Idiot. of start. Wow. That was the start of the like the end Idiot. of season wow. dress up day, wasn't it? That kind of almost a focal point. But did Dave Webb not know he was only on a short term contract? No, he was on a short contract, but he thought he'd done a good job because yeah. you know, Bates got him in because he didn't want to get relegated. It's the first year of the Premier League, and Webb's record was I think was it five four one. He only lost one game, I think, which was the first game. I well, heard Mark that I heard that he'd promised him the the, the job. Yeah, I think Webb thought he got the job, and then he I'd went, heard he promised it to him. And he reneged on it. That was why it was so dreadful. Yeah. You know what, Jake? I think you, I, would, I would not rule that out because Webb, Webb never came out for the second half. And the version yeah. I heard, he, he was so pissed off that, you know, he, he thought he had the job in the bag. And obviously he'd seen the press headlines that Hoddle had got the job. I mean, yeah. you know, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because in in the years since, uh, and, you know, many of us have been very, very lucky in getting to know or meeting these guys, but... Uh, Dave Webb is all, always singularly absent from anything Chelsea related with the old players, which makes you think, you know, maybe it had something to do with the way that that it ended. Uh, to, to be fair, he, he, he'd come back for the funeral. So he was there, obviously, when Osgood passed away. So I think I think he's chosen his moments. But, yeah, I think it'd be interesting if it had happened at lockdown, you know, like Nick Tilt had planned the 1970s reunion. And then COVID put the kibosh out. I think it would have been interesting to see if Webb had turned up for that because mm. I think most of the boys from the 70s were going to go out to Nick's pub in Ascot. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure where Dave Webb is now. But Webb, to be fair to him, other yeah. than the Blackburn game, he did a good job. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, he, he lost, sorry, Dan, he lost against Blackburn, uh, Saints and United and the last game, as we said, against Sheffield United, Dan. But I think by Borough when we were eighth, we realised that we weren't going to go down. And that was the reason we felt that he'd been brought in, was to arrest the um, the fact that we were we hadn't won for 12 games. And the fact that they um, they beat Borough and they beat, uh, uh, beat St... Uh, sorry, and they beat Wim- Wimbledon. Uh, you knew by then, and they'd beaten Arsenal, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, that, that he was, he'd done a, a sufficient of a job for the team not to be relegated. Because we were worried... For that period after Portofino was sacked, that they would go down. Yeah, 
Yeah. We didn't look like we'd win another game at that. No, point. we didn't. Exactly. There was absolutely that fear at the time. We were and a horrible was... run of form. Interestingly, yeah. in that Palace game, the equaliser was scored by none other than Gareth. Sorry, Sir Gareth Southgate. Soon to be Sir Gareth Southgate. Ah. Yeah. Sorry, Dan, you did have your hand up, my friend. No, I was going to say, any, any, any what Webby's doing today? Anyone know what, I don't. I don't actually. Yeah. Mark, Mark, you got any ideas? Oh, no, no, no. That's just. Yeah, we were wondering if he would turn up because obviously Webby's always been a wheeler dealer. Yeah, you know, he's a businessman. You know? Yeah, and I think the last time I heard, I think he was abroad somewhere. Yeah, mm. but you know, it's a shame it haven't turned out because I I thought he did a good job. He, he did what he was brought in for, and I, I think he thought, as J.K. said, I think he thought he was in a chance for the job permanently. Well, there you go. So let's uh, let's wrap this all up. Um, just to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's. Frank Sinclair was the player of the season. Um, Mick Harford was the top goal scorer with 11. Stewart got 10. Fleck got three. Uh, we, we've covered Paul Elliott in some depth. Um, and we finished 11th. Um, let's start with uh, with Porterfield. I mean, I, I, think, I think Porterfield gets remembered very perhaps unfairly i don't know the jury's out really isn't it but my 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 feeling is he's always been remembered rather unkindly perhaps jk do you think that's fair no no i i think he deserved the uh, the opprobrium opprobrium that he's uh, received yeah it was it was um well i think he was helped enormously by uh, uh, as you stated here by having don howe as uh, as the defensive coach who i really think ordered them um, but I, I don't think he was helped by the the, he, the the number of players who played. The selection never seemed to be consistent at all. It was um, it was whether this was because of injury. Um, but uh, Steve Clark didn't uh, only played I how know. many games did Steve play? Very very um, we, few. I'll tell you. Very what few. Saying. We had Gareth Hall playing a lot of the time, who was never one of the greats. Even he was pretty good. He wasn't bad. But um, uh, and we said goodbye to some players that I thought were going to last longer. Um, uh, I thought ultimately that um, I mean, who did we get rid of? Well, Lasso um, getting rid of Lasso was just insanity. But was even even in the middle of the season, hadn't we? We've got, we've, we've, yeah. we had, I remember um, Boyd was a great possibility, wasn't he, of doing something for us? And they, we sold him to Celtic. I didn't understand why that happened. Um, whether that was just he thought he was going to make more money out of him. But Boyd then had a wonderful career for Celtic and Scotland. Um, of course, the season before we got rid of Clive Allen as well, who I thought was brilliant. Um, it was it was just there were there were there were purchases made. I didn't understand what was going on. Um, uh, Spackers didn't play all that much, did he, despite being brought back? Um, uh, obviously, David Lee played centre half um, because poor old poor Elliot was uh, was was done in. Um, uh, Stewart was in and out. I thought Stewart would be there permanently. Eddie Newton. Um, didn't appear to pin down a place despite being absolutely fantastic. Isn't that correct? He didn't play much. No, he played most of the season, actually. He played most of the season. Hold your horses for a second. These are the people who made over 30 appearances, right? Tommy, yeah, yeah. Mal Donaghy, and I I love doing this because effectively you get the first team. Yeah. There are only 10, and the reason for that is none of the goalkeepers played over 30 matches. We'll get to that in a minute. But Mal Donaghy, Robert Fleck, Gareth Hall, Mick Harford, David Lee... Eddie Newton, Frank Sinclair, Graham Stewart, Andy Townsend, Dennis Wise. They all played over 30. But who were the others? Graham Lassoni played 12, didn't he? Yeah. Hardly got Uh, a look in. Hardly hardly got got a look in. in. Johnny Uh, Spencer. Spencer Johnson played 13, didn't he? Uh, Yeah. Um, 
Johnny Spencer only played 13. Spacker's only played eight. Eight, yeah. You know, considering he was brought in to replace Vinnie Jones, that's a bit nuts, isn't it? Well, um, I was wrong. Graham Stewart played 38. I thought he was in and out. Well, um, Stewart was a, was a bedrock. I mean, the, 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 the 10 that I mentioned, you would have said they were the key players this season, certainly in appearances. Uh, Cascarino only played eight. You know, so it was a bit weird. Mark? Yeah, Porterfield. It's difficult to you know not feel sorry for Porterfield because he was the shortest reign of any Ken Bates manager. Uh, so he was only there for about a year and a half. Uh, I think the general viewpoint, and I think Townsend, I know he sort of said we didn't go wrong, but I think previously said, yeah, Porterville was a nice guy. He was popular with the players. He brought in Don Howe that did a really good job. He brought in young players. You know, you know, he played Lee, he played Sinclair, he played Graham Stewart, and all three of those were, were part of the 30, and Eddie Newton as well. Something went wrong. Clearly, after that, Chris was something wrong. And I don't know whether, because he was such a nice guy. Uh, and again, another story I've been told, and I can't remember who told me this. The previous season, and maybe the signs were there, um, we played at the end of the season, an end of season tour in Canada, you know, the Guinness Cup, I think it was called. Uh, and the club fly into whatever airport it was in Canada. Uh, and obviously, there's the official coach at the airport waiting to pick the players up. One of the players, and I think it was Vinnie Jones, had booked a stretch limo at the airport. So the players come out of the airport, and the likes of Frank Sinclair, David Lee, Bobby Stewart, you know, you know, get get on the bus. Vinnie Jones, Dennis Wise, Dave Besant, Andy Townsend, they get in the stretch limo and said, "See you at the hotel, Ian." Yeah, yeah. Now, that just shows, like, there's no respect for the manager. You're taking the piss, basically, for want of a better word. And I think part of that, because Porterfield was a nice guy, he probably wasn't much of a disciplinarian. And the only time he probably showed any form of discipline, you know, was dropping Besson, dropping Lasso for one game, and shipping out the players unfairly after they lost to Sunderland in the previous season because allegedly he had a fight on the coach with something. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? I mean, Rick in, in the complete record basically says that he that Porterfield was a really good coach, but he had a real inability to deal with pressure, media and man management. And I think in a way, Mark, that sums it up. Let's have a quick chat about the goalkeepers. Um, because that was a real feature of this season, I think. Um, you know, we had the three keepers obviously. Besson's Awful errors. Hitchcock, I think, undervalued, but made errors too. Karine arrives, but doesn't really play much. And I and I want and again. I you know I do wonder, as I was saying earlier on, J.K. You know, I wonder how difficult it was for keepers that season, suddenly having to deal with not being able to pick the ball up when it was passed back to them, and the number of goals that were scored through errors like that. I mean, I know Besant let a few through his fingers as well, but. It's interesting, isn't it? And and I, you know, we all know uh, that you need, you need, you need a, a you know, you need a, a keeper who who's not going to make errors and is going to play most matches if you're going to win anything. We know that, you know, from recent history at Chelsea. So it can't have been easy. And also losing Paul Elliott. Well, I, I would, you know, like who was the who was the, the Virgil Van Dyke potentially of his generation. So you lose him, and then you've got problems with the goalkeepers it's going to make life difficult for you isn't it i would liken it to the silent movies becoming the talkies yeah it, uh, some of them can't do it and uh, you don't find out about it until it's already upon you um and uh, then they've got to start working out who are those who are the more relaxed i think it must have caused i also think for defenders 
defenders must have been giving the ball away so much more because they're in a position where they're normally thinking all I need to do now is pass the ball back to the goalkeeper and they're they're they can do it but they know they're going to put the goalkeeper under pressure so they'll probably hang on to the ball more and then they'll lose the ball in possession so I think it was a it was a major event a major law change that um, as we know it's evolved into having goalkeepers who can actually play the ball but at the time it was completely thrust upon them and you never know Besant may have been distracted by thinking I don't know how I'm going to do this I don't because it my, the major uh, area of allowing me to be calm in a situation is picking the ball up it's not happening all he needs to do is make a you know have a rick and kick the ball badly or pick, kick the ball out or whatever and he, he's he, he, he's he's losing confidence for his game and it may be the same for Hitchy. i mean I, I i thought hitchcock was a was a terrific goalkeeper and it was this odd error that that made made me think well i think Karin's going to get in and i never understood why Karin always wore his some um, tracksuit trouser bottoms as well anybody got a reason for that yeah some yeah something to do with his knees he had dodgy knees i think when we signed him so i think he's protect his knees Oh God! That, that was yeah. Yeah. Well, it can't, his... it can't have been the cold, Dan, considering he was no, rushing where he from... came from. Because he, yeah. he did his bad knee just Chef Wednesday away, didn't he? And he was out for about six, seven months. But he, I yeah, think he, right. he signed him with dodgy knees or something from memory. Classic Chelsea. Yeah. Well, when all said and done, a disappointing season, yes, but I think largely disappointing because of what had happened in the first half when we were looking. I mean, we were second at one stage and we were looking good. We were playing good football. We had some really good players. JK made an excellent point earlier on. You know, you got you got Andy Townsend and Dennis Wise in the midfield. You know, these are good, good players. But the reality is, we did finish 11th in the first Premier League season. Um, we had the same points as Arsenal, who were 10th, who had won the league only a couple of years before. So, given given some of the seasons we've witnessed, Mark, you know, this is not one of the worst by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, it's certainly not worse than sort of like the 87-88 relegation season or the 86-87. They were shockers. And I think it's an interesting one because probably history might be unkind to this era and to Ian Porterfield because it was a short-lived thing. But for that first half of the season and up to second, and we are as a group of supporters, some of the most optimistic there are, you know, obviously history has shown that optimism has paid off. But, you know, going into that Christmas period, pre the Palace game, the level of optimism amongst fans was high. So something was working prior to that, whether it was a combination, despite the loss of Elliot, of the youth of Sinclair and Lee. Sinclair was brilliant. He got player of the year. And that older hand, the Townsends, the Hartfords, the Wises, whatever. Eddie Newton. Well. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie Newton as well. Graham Stewart as well. Uh, but the post, you know, almost apocalyptic fallout from that Palace game. The Palace game was the moment of the season and everything just seemed seemed to go. Whether it was overconfident, I don't know. Yeah, Whether they took that defeat so badly because they were so confident of winning and getting through it the next day. But Palace was the catalyst for the deterioration in the second half of the season. And I think Porterfield was a great number two. He just didn't prove to be a great number one. Well, I'm going to leave the last word on this season to your great mate, uh, Mark. Uh, which is the legend that is Nigel Spackman. Uh, and he says, of this is from Rick's complete record, he says, it was a, this is when he came back, it was a ship without a rudder. From the one I had left, which was a big club competing, one of the, competing as one of the top eight teams, I think they'd lost their focus and the lunatics were running the asylum. So what do you think of that? I'll put it to him on Friday when I have a coffee with him. Yeah, yeah. he probably 
Because actually, he didn't play much because he was injured and he's still got problems with his back now from, from that season. But actually, under Hoddle, 93-4, 94-5, he appears a hell of a lot more. Well, there we go. But he played him at centre-half, didn't he? Played him further back, yeah. much yeah, further and he, back. And he played centre-half in the Austria-Vienna game. During Indeed. The- yeah. Indeed. All right, all right, all right. We'll do that in a few weeks' time. But, yeah. but I, I do think it, 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 it says... I think I think, I think what the, the point Mark makes is an excellent one because, uh, you know, I, I think there was perhaps... And what Dan was saying about Townsend earlier on is fascinating because I think... What it and Lasso going and his strops, you know, that I think there was a lot of unrest underneath. And, and the impression that I get, if you put two and two together and add five, Mark's point is that there was a huge amount of disappointment of getting knocked out of a, of a trophy that they should perhaps felt they should have won. And you've got a lot of ambitious and good players here who wanted to go things. We all, we all know, you know, next year, next season, Townsend goes and he says, Well, I wanted to go and win trophies. Maybe there was a bit of that going on. Is that well, like, we we fucked it again, so we can't be bothered. Who knows? I think that's exactly Chidge what went wrong. I think it was they thought, rightly so, they had the right combination of players to win things and do well. And they got to December, and they were second. And they thought we're going to win some stuff here, and the whole season unravelled. Wheels fell off. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And it was, ex- and it didn't make any sense with the the squad that they had. Yeah. All right. Enough already. Um, blimey, two and a half, over two and a half hours. I thought we'd done quite well to keep it down to that, knowing us a lot. But that has been immense fun looking back on uh, the season that was 1992-1993. Uh, we, of course, will be back next week uh, where me, JK and Mark will be joined by the legend that is Tim Rolls. And it's not just because he wants to plug his new book, but I will allow him to do that because I love him. But, uh, of course, this was another fantastic season. We've got Glenn Hoddle arrives as manager. Everything changes. Uh, there's even a whiff of the Twin Towers of Wembley on a very wet, wet day in May in the air. But that'll be, have to wait until next week. Now, before I go, it would be really, really remiss of me. Dan will ag- ag- absolutely agree with us, I'm sure. But uh, and I didn't mention it on Twitter because I'm kind of giving Twitter a bit of a bit of a swerve at the moment because I just can't be doing all this transfer nonsense and the basically it's like it, it being uh, I work in mental health as many people know Twitter for me right now is like working in a psychiatric ward and I could do without that so therefore I didn't say anything on Twitter about this but I was really very moved uh, to 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 hear this this week and and very saddened to learn of the passing of a couple of very, very well-known Chelsea supporters. Cliffy, I know, knows one of them very well. I knew one of the others too. Uh, but it's Charlie Norton and Ben Crow, who both uh, very tragically died very, very young. And I'd just like, on behalf of all of us at the Fancast, to you know, send our condolences to both of their families on a, on a really, really tragic loss. And we're all mm. feeling for you. And uh, we will be raising... In fact, I'm raising a glass as yeah. we speak because I always have one to hand during the fan cast. It's Charlie and Ben. Yeah, it's Charlie and Ben. Rest in peace, uh, people. Brother Chelsea fans. And as I said, uh, thoughts and wishes and condolences to their families. So there you go. So, there we go. Sad note to end the programme on, but uh, it needed to be said. As I said, we'll be back next week. We're thoroughly looking forward to it already. Uh, lovely to see uh, the legend that is Chiellini. Sorry, Dan Silver. Gabella. Gabella. Absolutely. <laughs> you... I go back at the chain. I have a pasta. <laughs> How are you going to do on Tuesday? Uh, I, I, I said to my love to Marco Warren. He's a, he's a macapo. 
So, uh, so score prediction for tomorrow, Dan? You going to score? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Quatro, uno. Okay, lovely stuff. Dan, always great to see you, mate. We'll see yeah. you again soon. Uh, Mister, Ma- thank you, Mister Me, and you've been utterly brilliant. I mean, your stories are just hilarious. <laughs> so there you go. That's why it's going to be it's going to be me, J.K. and Mark for the rest of the uh, the uh, north the nineties. There'll be probably a few more from the 93-94 season because it's the debut of the blue flag. Lovely, so, and we might we might even get Spackers on for one of these, right? There's a there's a chance. Definitely, I've had a chat with Spackers. He'll come on for one of them. He knows how to work Zoom, so I just need to remind him and give him plenty of notice. Probably the only ex-player yeah. we know who knows how to work Zoom apart from. Can he, Pat. Can he not come on for the um, Austria Vienna one? He can, he, 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 are we, for well, that season, because we're going to get him on for ninety-five six. Because yeah. it's best to hear him when he smacks Keown. I want yeah. him for that. Yeah. yeah, we've got to get him on for the Keown thing. Yeah. I want him for yeah. that. Let's just yeah. leave it with that. We'll leave but it with that. 94-5 as well. Well, no, no, no. Well, we can see. We can see. We'll we'll talk about it. Discuss it with my agent. Anyway, uh, I can't wait for that. That'll be mental. And JK, uh, as always, an absolute delight and a pleasure to have so much fun talking about a season from the past with you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, and, and, uh, uh, thanks so much, Mark, for for always jolting my memory. I love it. (laughs) I love it. You just come up with these things like, oh, yeah, God, of course that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff. And you lot out there, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Take care and up the chels. Hold up. 